World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome to the show. It's me, the host of it, because Jeff doesn't want to host it. it. Uh, Jeff Jeff doesn't want to, so I'm going to. (laughs) It's me. Yeah, uh like you really need that workload. Uh, Welcome to to the show. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 195 of Creepypasta, uh, on the countdown to death of the end of the show that we're doing now. Uh, I recorded the first of the final episodes yesterday, and I'm recording the next two of the final episodes on Saturday. Wow. Uh, I have happening. two more recordings to schedule. I don't know who's going to be on for those. I'm going to wait and see if anybody reaches out who wants to be on. I do have a brand new guest coming up. Oh, from like one, the last episode? 197. Yeah, I was talking with a friend who was like, I want to be on the show, uh, but before I had decided to end it. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then they reached out to me to schedule after I decided to end it. Whoops. <laughs> whoops, so, whoops. Um, you'll hear that episode on the 22nd of August if everything scheduling-wise stays how it is now, which it should. Um, wow. Uh, as you can tell, the other person on this episode, um, my esteemed co-host, Hannah Burge. <laughs> Hello, it me. I'm back again from the past. I don't really remember what yeah, the fave is. I think you went to space at one point. Hold on. Um, the, the one that we're talking about this week is something that Hannah has cursed me with from <laughs> beyond the foul realms where she resides. Um, it is I'm not a Cthulhu. A, a, with the title of this story, you can't be sure. Um, the story is named after the Reddit poster who posted them, because it's not one story. It is literally, no exaggeration, 100 stories. <laughs> um, the audio version, which contains the first 82 stories, was just over six hours long. And then I read the remaining 18 stories with my own human eyes. Oh no, you'll have to throw them away. And replace them with horse eyes. Ah, so that okay. we can talk about underscore nine, mother nine, horse nine, eyes nine. Henceforth, henceforth known as mother horse eyes. So I grew up around horses, right? And, like, (laughs) I remember reading this for the first time when it was coming out, what, like, 2016 or something like that? Yeah, it came out from April to June of 2016. Yeah, the slow march of time. Um, But, like, I remember thinking, there's nothing about horse eyes such that I would recognize them. In this story, the author is like, horse eyes is like goat eyes, and the pupil, it's sideways. Mm, some horses do seem to have that sideways pupil. I googled horse eyes. Yeah, but like... It's listen. not as crazy as the goat eyes. <laughs> right. One, it's not as crazy as the goat eyes, and two, I don't really know what you mean by sideways, because 
human pupils are round. Right. They don't have a side yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can put them on. But um, like, you know, they're horizontal ovals instead of circles. Sure, but like the first time I read that, I didn't even know what they were trying to say. And I spent my whole life around horses. I couldn't think about what was different about the eyes such that you would look at them. And I had to look it up. And I was like, oh, that's what you meant by sideways? Like sideways relative to a cat? So here's my new theory. <laughs> Horses are reverse cats. <laughs> Horses are reverse cats, and here's why. Um, <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Surprise. It's all been an ARG for my TED Talk. All, the whole of Creepypasta yeah. was, was an ARG for my TED Talk. <sighs> so... I, uh, we do find out later in the story that he recognizes these as the eyes of a horse that his sister had. So that makes a little more sense. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There are specific horses' eyes. Um, mm-hmm. but also, if I just saw an eyeball that was like the size of a baby's fist, I'd be like, yeah, that's a horse eye. That thing's enormous. <laughs> but also, you know what else has big eyes is like big birds and stuff. Like, I don't Not know. this big. I mean, how big are you saying? Like, oh, I remember... Biggest I, bird eye. <laughs> no, no, no. Biggest eye. It's got to be like a squid or something. Biggest uh, eyes. The ostrich has an eye that is about <laughs> twice the length. Uh, twice the... The axial length is twice that of a human eye. Oof. It's the largest eye of any land vertebrate, actually. Wow! I Ostriches like, have bigger eyes than horses. That was incredible! My instinct was so spot on about which eyes was biggest. <laughs> yeah, you said it would be ostriches. You definitely I mean, didn't just say it would be birds. I said it would be a big bird! <laughs> what, what, I mean, like, I bet you anything that the eye of a rhea is, like, the same as that of an ostrich. But, like, I don't know what that is, so... A rhea? Yeah. That's why I just said big bird. Like, don't criticize me for not being specific enough and then tell me you don't know what I'm talking about when I specify. I'm trying to Google it and I don't know how to spell it. Oh, R-H-E-A. R-H-E-A. Yeah. Rhea. Oh, Rhea bird. <laughs> oh, really? this is a little ostrich. Yeah. I mean, like, of the birds that walk on their hind legs in that way, there are mm, three I can think of that are alive, and one that's extinct. Um, Yeah, I knew about emus, and I knew about ostriches. I did not know about these ones. Yeah, and then what's the extinct one called? The dodo? No, the other one, the big one. Mm, Dodos are pretty big. Wait, are dodos big? Don't say that. I'm going to get upset. Dodos are like, uh, no, I should look up dodo height, not (laughs) dodo size. Um, Dodos are a little over three feet tall. Shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, really, they are. They're enormous. (laughs) Did you expect them to be very little? I thought they were like the size of a puffin. Oh, no. (laughs) This is... This is like this is like discovering the sizes of Pokemon and discovering that Skarmory is seven feet tall. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> First Dodo and now Skarmory. Oh no, sorry, not seven feet tall. Five foot seven. So taller. Oh. That's still really big. <laughs> that's bigger than me. Yeah. I like imagine encountering a Skarmory and you have to look up into its eyes. <laughs> 
to its giant eyes. Yeah, I know. Surprisingly My- tall Pokemon. Yeah, your dog's barking, so I'm going to Google some surprisingly tall Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, he got upset because of the eyes and how big they were. He understands. Yeah. There is a Bulbapedia article, Size Discrepancies in the Pokemon anime. Which is pretty fun. there is. Go on. Um, it's because they have to make pretty much all of the Pokemon around the... Uh, around the same size as the people, and they want to make the evolutions and legendaries much bigger. Yeah, but, like, uh, you're saying that there's discrepancies between one thing that's totally fake and doesn't exist, and another thing that's totally fake and doesn't exist. Because the games are canon, Hannah. Uh, to whom? The, all, every Pokemon has a height given in the games. I understand that, but yeah. listen, <laughs> like, that's also fake. Right, but... <laughs> Hold on, did here, you say important and I said fake? Yes. <laughs> but okay. the fact that Charizard and Skarmory are the same size is insane. Uh, <laughs> Ash's Charizard is like seven feet tall, though. <laughs> Maybe he's just, like, maybe he's got a growth disorder. Maybe he has jack disease. Mm, No, they put it next to an Agron, which is 6'11", and it's about the same size. Mm, Wait, (laughs) they put it next to one? Yeah, like in the show, like, I guess it fights one or stands near one. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good matchup or a bad matchup, because isn't Agron part ground type? Uh, it's rock and steel, so no. Ooh, yeah, but here's the thing, is that, um, yeah, Charizard, Charizard takes one, quad damage to rock damage, to yeah. rock, uh, to rock moves, but steel type is weak to fire, so. Steel type is weak to fire, but isn't rock resistant to fire? Doesn't that count? No, I, th- I think rock is normal to fire, but I could be wrong mm, about that. Don't. We'll see, we'll see about that. Don't tweet at me. I um, don't have a tweet. Is it, uh, not you, the audience, is it good or bad that Joltik is four inches tall? What is? Joltik? It's the little electric spider. <laughs> I love that thing. Um, I it's can't... four inches tall? It's the, the five smallest Pokemon are all tied. They're Joltik, Flabebe, Cutiefly, Comfy, and Cosmium. What was the last oh, Sorry, thing? Cosmoem. Co- not co- I reversed the O and the Cosmoem. E. Cosmoem? It's the, it's the middle form of uh, Nebby and that big lion, or big bird, depending on whether you had sun or moon type. <laughs> I forgot that it evolved. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Cosmoem is the littlest, but also the heaviest, because it's a, a like, dead neutron star or whatever. What? Hold on. <laughs> It's supposed I, to be, it's supposed to have like a black hole in it or something. It's the heaviest, but also smallest. Pokemon. It has a black hole in it. I need you uh-huh. to understand something about black holes and the fact that you couldn't ever be that close to them or else you would you be don't swallowed need by me them. To, you don't need me to understand it. I understand it. Do I didn't you? make, I didn't make Pokemon. You're the one who's sitting here complaining to me about Pokemon sizes and the fact that they disagree with each other. They're, I, the, the reason why it's the smallest and heaviest is because they wanted it to be the densest because they were riffing off of space stuff that is extremely powerfully dense. Yeah, but like that density has different effects up there than it would here because here there's stuff already and right. it would get et up by this uh, very dense object. It is not as heavy um, as a black hole. It is only as heavy as like a mid-sized sedan. It is... 
2,200 pounds. Are you supposing that you know what the weight of a black hole is? Uh, I know that it's not 2,000 pounds. What? Hold on. When was your last trip into a black hole? Mm. Weight of a black hole. Since this is the last episode I'm ever going to be on, I assume (laughs) that I have free license to just do whatever dumb thing. Uh, So the black hole in the nearby galaxy M87 weighs in at 6.6 billion suns. What the fuck? Tell me how they know that. Tell me Tell me how they've weighed it. You're the scientist. I know, but I'm not a moon scientist. <laughs> they probably... <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it, a moon scientist. Exactly. <laughs> Astrophysicists just died listening to this for you calling, calling them a moon scientist. Good. I want them to suffer. They've um, earned it. Yeah, black holes weigh the same as millions of suns. They don't weigh the same as a mid-sized sedan. <laughs> But they're also probably bigger, right? So if you make it bigger, you have to make it much, much heavier. Mm. Like there's a proportion between weight Radi- and size that makes something. Hole. What? I'm looking at the radius of a black hole. I need to know whether rock resists fire. So okay. <laughs> going back to where we came from. Anyway. Yeah, rock resists fire. I'm trying to look at a surprise, <laughs> looking for surprisingly large Pokemon. Don't tell me whether rock resists fire. I'm staring at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alolan Executor is 35 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> is that why its head is off the screen? Because that's yeah. the funniest thing I've ever observed. It's like. It's really fact, funny. The fact that they were just like, we're going to make this one so tall, no one can look at it. We don't want you to see it. Uh, Whale Lord is uh, 40, is the longest Pokemon at 47 feet and 7 inches long. Oh, what? How big is a blue whale? Uh, blue whale length. <laughs> uh, is it bigger than a dodo? Uh, about double that. Double which? Double dodo or double 47? Double. uh, uh, Female is 82 and the male is 79. So a little little less than double. Wow. Still extremely big. (laughs) That's almost 20 dodos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you lined up 20 dodos next to a whale. They did this. That's why the dodo went extinct. They just kept putting it next to whales. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little executor is approximately 12 dodos high. <laughs> yeah, they stacked all those dodos and squished them. Exactly. That's how we ended up here. It's a beautiful thing. I was um, I was re-watching um, Griffin McElroy's Nudlock run because I forgot oh, about it. That's a fun one. Oh my god. I... I will never forget, I'm thinking about this because I'm looking at this list of the smallest Pokemon now. Um, <laughs> when he encountered that Flabebe, instantly destroyed it, and then he was walking into the next town, and they were like, have you ever heard of a Pokemon called Flabebe? <laughs> and he was like, uh, no, what? I don't know. <laughs> and Very then, good. And then they were like, oh, we see in your, in your Pokedex that you have seen it. And he was like, oh my god, the evidence has come out against me. <laughs> uh, so, have you heard of the Pokemon Delmise? Delmise? It is a big uh, anchor with a ship's wheel and algae all o- and seaweed all over it. Is it new? It's from 7th generation, yes. Oh my god, is 7th Sword and Shield? Yes, Sun and Moon. 
Oh, God. Can you spell it? Uh, D-H-E-L-M-I-S-E. M-I-S-E? It is a ghost and grass type. Yeah. Uh, Its Pokedex calls it the Sea Creeper Pokemon, and it's 12 feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) Just like you're hanging out with your friend the Incredible Hulk, and then he is dwarfed by this giant anchor that shows up. It's awful. You send out Reggie Gigas, the god of being an enormous monster, against Delmize, who is eight Dwarfed eight inches by your taller. Big anchor creep. Who is eight inches taller? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I played through Sun and Moon. Um, once. it is two feet taller than God. <laughs> what is God? Arce- Arceus is ten feet six inches tall. <sighs> my my anchor is two feet taller than God. <laughs> of course, oh, Christ. <laughs> oh no, it's really upsetting. Oh God. yeah, it's bad to know about how big some of these goddamn things are. <laughs> yeah, I I played through Sun and Moon like once. I guess I think I had Sun. I had the big lion, not the bad bat. Okay, um, yeah, the big lion was Sun. Yeah. And boy, that game was boring, huh? It was I most- I wish that you could turn off the handholding mode. Yeah. God, yes. I just God, like yes. I don't need them to walk me through. Like, put the waypoint on my map. I'll figure it out. Exactly. I mean, so I I for a long time have resisted people getting upset about the fact that the Pokemon games have become easier because to be fair, they're for children and right. I do understand this. So I don't want to get upset about it, but here's the thing is that if you stop me from playing the game for most of it, that's too easy. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm fine with them being easy, but also like it got popular with the impossibly difficult original games. Like, those <laughs> games are hard for me now as an adult. Yeah, they're very difficult. And then you only had to remember, like, four types and what they were weak and strong against, and they were only weak or strong against one thing, and now it's, like, a hundred of them. Uh, first of all... Yes. There were 15 types, and there are now 18 types. They've only what? added three types. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, Dark and Steel got added second generation yeah. ni- 19 years ago, and then Fairy <gasps> got added uh, in 2012. <sighs> oh, why does it... Well, but when when did dual typing become possible? Because that made things very Right from the beginning. What the fuck? That's not yeah, true. Bulbasaur is a girl. Bulbasaur is a grass poison type. Pidgey is normal and flying. Yeah, but that was added later. No, it wasn't. It was. When there, was, was... there was not a mono flying type until uh, fifth generation. I, 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 hold on. Hold on. I need you to, I need you to just wait. <laughs> yeah! Um, fucking exactly! Yeah! Yeah! Uh, what? what is this? I, everyone is disagreeing. Everyone doesn't agree. <laughs> uh, dual typing. Um, mm, there were dual types in Gen 1, but... Yes. But the right messages didn't always display, which is why it didn't say Thunderbolt was super effective against Charizard. <laughs> oh, did it not? No. <laughs> mm, yeah, Charizard was definitely fire and flying, though. I mean, 
Sure. Um, but the, saying- the reason why Brock was so easy with Squirtle is because rock is weak against water and ground is weak against water, and all of his Pokemon were rock and ground. Yeah, I mean, I never chose Squirtle as a starter because I'm not a chump. Okay, but... Bul- Bulbasaur then. No, Bulbasaur is also for chumps. Okay. Uh, well, Listen. actually, the starter in the first gen was a difficulty slider. Did you know that? No. Uh, the So the first four gyms are... Uh, rock, water, electric, and grass, right? Oh, I see. Okay. So, depending on which of the starters you choose, it'll be easy. And all of the caves are full of rock types, and you go through, like, three caves in the early game. Uh, yeah. So, if you choose the water or grass type, it's easy to get through those caves. If you choose Charmander, and you're playing in red or blue and not yellow, you cannot you cannot have any moves that will be strong against Brock's Pokemon. Yeah, that's true, but that's why you like, okay, so here's the thing, alright, is that Brock is positioned like significantly after you leave the Viridian Forest, right? That's the point. And right. so, like, you're supposed to catch guys in there, Jeff. There's you're no grass types to in there, guys. though. There's I only know. bugs. I, 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 there must have been a grass type you nope. could catch before. D- stop that. Don't say nope. I know. I can, okay. <laughs> do you want me to list all the Pokemon you can catch before Brock? Because I can do it. Are you going to do the Pokemon rap for me? <laughs> yes. So <laughs> catch them, catch them, you have access to any of the three starters, and then you can get Rattata, Spearow, Pidgey, either Nidoran. If you're playing yellow, uh, those Nidorans will learn double kick at level 16. Uh, I believe also if you're playing yellow, you can catch Mankey in the same place you can catch Nidoran. You can Pokemon! Also, <laughs> you can catch, <laughs> in the Viridian Forest, you can catch Pikachu, Kakuna, Weedle, Metapod, and Caterpie, and that's it. No! Yeah, no. for sure. You don't have access to grass Pokemon until you're outside Cerulean, and you can catch Oddish, or Weep, or uh, Bellsprout, depending. What? When, yeah. do you, when do you get the old rod? Uh, Cerulean, and then you can... Oh, you can buy a Magikarp right after Pewter, but before Cerulean. Yeah, but it costs, like, a million dollars. 500 Poké Dollars. It only costs 500 Poké Dollars? Yeah, but that was a lot back, like, that early in the game. That's, like, half your money, at least. In my head, I... Oh, no. You know what I'm thinking of is the um, the Slowpoke Tail, because that costs like a million dollars. Right. No You're reason. not supposed to buy it because it's uh, poached, like, illegal contraband. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe you tried to buy the Slowpoke Tail. I can't believe you support the torture of Slowpokes. I don't, but you had to talk to them. Folks, you heard it here first. <laughs> Hannah Burge is cancelled because she supports the torture of Slowpokes. <laughs> Listen, the tails are delicious. They were for eating, and they tasted very good. <laughs> what, am I going to let that Slowpoke's uh, torture get happen in vain? Like, of course I'm going to eat it if it's there. <laughs> what? I Okay, I can't remember why I remember thinking about this, but one time I definitely saw a list of the most delicious Pokemon. Why did I see mm. that? <laughs> uh, did you see that one about how to fillet a Mr. Mime? <laughs> yeah, you that posted that on one. Facebook. It yeah. was amazing. I really like that. Corvanite, uh, uh, this new cool, evil-looking um, raven bird, ra- raven crow. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Magpie. Um, what? Magpie is not the same. Magpie is another corvid. Okay. Um, it is also seven feet tall. <laughs> 
Yeah, it looks like it. It looks like it shows up as an omen when Harry Potter is going to die or something. It's, <laughs> it's seven feet tall, and you can be a child who catches it in a little Pokeball and is like, "Go, Corviknight! I named mine Cory." <laughs> But here's the the thing about if Harry Potter has taught me anything, death omens can be <laughs> avoided and defeated with chocolate. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, you could just be like, Explodium Explodar, and it'll like, blow up the death omen and then you don't die from it. Uh, oh, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about why Harry Potter's scar is lightning-shaped. Do you know if there's a real answer to this? Because I can't remember if Avada Kedavra is a... I think it's a verbal spell, but in Harry Potter, a lot of people can do spells without speaking. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it sort of implies, like, the fact that he's a lightning bolt scar sort of implies that there's a hand motion that goes along with it, huh? Yeah, I'm seeing the article here that it's not a lightning bolt, but in fact, the the motion of the wand. Yeah! Boo, 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 boo! Um, I knew it! Yeah, if you look up the hand motion on some wiki for Avada Kedavra, it is shaped like Harry's scar. Woohoo! I knew it. I fucking knew it. Man, I'm so good at this. Oh, man, um, I'm hearing that dog toy, and it's very funny. <laughs> he really likes this one. He's yeah. extremely proud that he's learned to squeak it. Um, <laughs> he likes- we've set a new record. We're 25 minutes in and have not start ta- started talking about the creepy pasta. Jeffrey, this is the last episode I'm ever going to be on. <laughs> I reserve the right to just yell and yell and yell and um, waste your whole day yelling. Dunsparce is five feet long. Whoa, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, there's some... Yanma? There's some interesting, weird things about Pokemon, which is that uh, all of the measurements are shown as being in height, but for, like, snake-bodied Pokemon, they're always, like, five times as long as they should be because they're <laughs> clearly measuring length. Yeah, sure. But um, also, so Dunsparce is not five feet tall, but in fact five feet long, I hope. I, <laughs> I hope. I don't care. Either way, it's pretty awful, huh? Uh, like, what, what was the one you just asked how big it is? Yanma. Yanma. I, oh my god, it's four feet long! Oh Jesus, that's too big. Oh Jesus, it's evolution is 6'3". Can you imagine encountering a dragonfly that was six feet long? Can you imagine if you just knew that six foot long dragonflies were around? I could never leave the house. Is there a mega is there a mega yen mega? There is. There's a mega yen mega? This can't be true, right? No, that's not no, true. No, it's not true. Okay. Oh, God. I almost yeah. panicked. So here's the thing about mega evolution that makes it worse um, is that... Hold, oh, no, these people are making shit up. Is yeah. that the Pokemon can change types. That's unbelievable. Like, I remember when I was playing Pokemon Let's Go, which is the most entertaining Pokemon game I've played in years, because you can just walk around, and the more Pokemon you fight, the more likely you are to catch shiny ones, and that's amazing. I've never Mm. caught shiny Pokemon before, but I caught, like, almost all of them in that game. I've caught two shiny Oddishes in my life. (laughs) Wait, just, like, randomly? In uh, in other games? Which ones? Uh, I think I caught one in yellow and in... 
one of the Gen Three, one of the GBA games. I wow, which one. that's amazing. Um, was it have... was it Chris who caught a shiny male combi? <laughs> yes, <laughs> his prized possession. Hysterical. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Yan Mega's name in Japanese is Mega Yanma. <laughs> so that gets confusing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop looking at Pokemon. I'm going to try. <laughs> Welcome to, to the Pokemon podcast. I'm going to close Ostrich Height. I'm going to close Surprisingly Tall Pokemon. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to what the hell Mother Horse Eyes is. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so it is a series of 100 short stories Ugh. that are seemingly disconnected at first, posted to random comment threads on Reddit from April to June of 2016, that uh, eventually, as you read them, sometimes it's referred to as the Interface series also. Uh, as you read them, it seems to uh, develop this, this mythos or lore where it is about um, these flesh-lined portals to another dimension. They're um, composed of flesh, not just lined with them. Right. right? Um, well, a portal is the absence of stuff, right? So, like, the the portal is lined with flesh, right? Like, you wouldn't say that you have a wooden... Um, like, the opening of a doorway is not wooden. The frame of it is, right? That's what I meant by flesh-lined. Oh, that was... Yep. <laughs> does that make any sense? Or? <laughs> I mean, yes, it does. But, like, the fact that that convention already exists makes your point move. Like, I, guess, I guess so. Like, if I say wooden door, it's understood that when it opens, I'm not walking through a block of wood. I guess so. But the word portal, I guess, because I think in fiction, we think of portals as sometimes being like uh, liquid membranes that people walk through. Uh... Um, and this does not seem to be a, a membrane that anyone walks through, but like a, a goopy, fleshy uh, hole that you sluice through. Yes, that's true. Um, and if you go through it, you die. And if you're already dead when you go through it, you come back to life. <laughs> um, I mean, they say that it took them a long time to figure out those rules. Yeah, they act, they fucking simple, huh? They were good. Well, sometimes people don't die when they go through it. Like, and right then away, they died anyway. basically instantly afterward. Yeah. Well, they were gonna send some rats through, and they noticed one of them was dead, and so one of the scientists was like, "Oh, let's try it," and then it came back alive. Right, but then like, and here's also how science doesn't work. Their next thought is like. Okay, we're going to need to use fresh corpses, so we're literally going to bring people in and murder them, and that's how we're going to get them. This like, isn't just science, <laughs> Hannah, it's evil science. <laughs> I know, but, like, are evil scientists, do they not have to follow rules? No. I feel like they've got their own set of rules. The whole it's point also of... The, it's Jeffrey, it's the CIA. <laughs> like, the, yeah, the evilest scientists of all. <laughs> The whole point of being an evil scientist is that the man in Washington said no, but here in Rapture, you can do whatever goddamn thing you want. You can make juice that makes bugs fly out of your eyes. I don't care. Fight the power. I'm an anagram for Ayn Rand. Who cares? Do whatever you want. That's my impression of Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. It's perfect. Um, it's, it's just like... 
There's no rules just right in, in, uh, Mother Horse Eyes territory because the people we see experimenting with these portals, otherwise called flesh interfaces usually, um, we see the CIA doing experiments, we see, um, Nazis doing experiments, and we see some reference to a distant future where these portals have been exploited as a piece of powerfully addictive cyberpunk entertainment. Yeah, that's confusing. I wasn't totally following that part of the story. That was my favorite part, but seeing how it connects to the rest of it is a challenge. Yeah, I... So, in in that part of the story, right, there's this entity called Q that's, like, in charge of everything at this, this point, Yeah, right? that, that part made me really uncomfortable because I think that this all predated QAnon being a thing. Ooh. Um, and QAnon, the central figure in that conspiracy theory, is a man named Q who is uh, part of the government and knows all of the secrets and is secretly in control of everything. Oh, God. And that all started October 2017, so this predates it by a lot. That's but I upsetting. would be extremely willing to bet that there are people who are into QAnon that uh, read this story and was like, it started earlier. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, QAnon was like, uh, it even predates Pizzagate, um, which was QAnon sort of spun off of. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. I don't love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, listening to this whole thing about them being like Q controls all of it, Q is firing nukes was like really weird. Yeah. I mean, so did you take away from that that Q and Mother were the same thing? I guess I had just assumed that to be the case. Yeah. Or that I Mother was an sure. aspect of Q. An aspect? In what way? Uh, like, it's... Hmm, I, I took it to be, like, Mother Horse Eyes was just a piece of or a construct created by or maybe even an early form of Q, that they were not one and the same really, but that it was more like, um, I can't think of a good analogy, like the difference between in Sandman, Dream, is Sandman the comic book that everyone knows about? No, this one doesn't no. know about it. Okay, I can't use that metaphor then, but the audience... <laughs> I mean, you can still use it. The audience maybe will understand. Uh, it's, it seems to me like the distinction between the entity Dream and the individual Morpheus. Who oh yeah, totally, that makes perfect sense. Who fills that role for much of the series. Um, it's... Uh, it, it feels like maybe Mother became Q, or Q created Mother, rather than Mother equals Q. But they're definitely from different theoretical timelines, right? Like, I didn't understand, mm, I guess, part of what might... Well, here's the thing. None of it makes any sense, right? Right. Like, it's, it's all just gross, and it's, like, a lot of just nonsense gobbledygook, but here's... The thing is that, like, future bit, I couldn't follow whether or not that was supposed to take place in the same world as the later stuff. Is it a different timeline? Is it the same one? I wasn't sure. It's, um... I think that the whole thing that this, this meta-narrative is getting at is that time doesn't work in a linear fa fashion, and so the, like, 
vast conspiracy of Mother or Q uh, is not really beholden to those rules. And when you like start manipulating some of the um, pieces of all of this, it's it's not um, it's it's not as clear cut what happens when. Do you think that's just an excuse for poor writing? <laughs> no, I think that the whole thing's very well written. Um, and it all seems internally consistent to me, but like what it's saying in, with internal consistency is madness. I have no idea. Yeah, I guess. I mostly feel like, okay, so all, all of that I'll, I'll buy and I'll go with for the sake of the fiction of the story. We would tell you the plot, but we can't. It's not. There's none. There's um, a couple. There's a couple different plots. Um, yes, so but, we can we can try. Okay. Okay. Let's Let, we'll let's try. let's start with um, the CIA narrative. So there's a little bit of this, right? What else do we have besides them discovering that they can bring people back to life? What? Um, I don't know. Is it? Is there a place where I can find the like? narratives put together? If you look at Mother Horse Eyes Wiki, uh, it'll give us a list of narratives as a category, okay. I believe. Great. Yes. Um, I can drop a link if you are uh, bad I can Google Googling. those same words. Mother Horse Eyes Wikia. That's yep. where you are. And then I clicked narratives. Narratives. Um, yeah, so we, I see that. We've got um, the investigator's narrative, as they call it, is... Uh, 15 stories about someone, like, do it. this is where all the CIA stuff comes in, it seems yeah. like, um, talking about MK Ultra and LSD, um, and they, it, one, one thing that's really interesting about this is the way it's written presumes that the audience knows what flesh portals are, and I think that that is a really good way to write science fiction, especially if you're writing it in this way, where it seems like the posts were, like, randomly blasted back in time or something. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, like, writing at... Part of it is figuring out the mystery of what the story is about, like, the basic facts of it, like, what's a flesh portal. Yeah. Um, and so we get some sense that uh, flesh interfaces are um, things that people have created throughout history and that you need LSD to be able to interact with them correctly. But here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing of it. Uh, hi, chemist here talking to you about it. Um, the problem with that being factual is that, so LSD, right, is a derivative of a naturally isolated substance from ergot fungus, and it was invented by Albert Hoffman in, I want to say the 20s? Mm. I, think was was the, I think it was like bicycle the 50s. I think it was like the 50s, wasn't it? When is Bicycle Day? 1943. Okay. okay. Anyway, so basically, what... <laughs> what is you know, Bicycle Day, first of all? Are you asking? Yes. <laughs> well, I was wondering if you were, like, asking or, like, quote-unquote asking, so I would tell the audience. Uh, um, I don't know what Bicycle Day is. LSD was first made in 1938, and he first discovered it was a hallucinogen in 1943. Yes. Well, he first took it for the first time on purpose in 1943, and mm. here's why, is because <laughs> once upon a time, there was 
a man named Albert Hoffman who lived in a time when he didn't have to wear gloves to do science. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so because LSD is extremely potent, right, he was running just like standard chemistry, just doing regular stuff and made LSD and then went to eat his sandwich. But the problem is that <laughs> he wasn't wearing gloves to do the science yeah. and he wasn't wearing gloves to eat the sandwich. And so... Why was, would you? Why, why would you wear gloves to eat the sandwich? <laughs> well, if you're going to do one or the other... Uh, I, fair enough. <laughs> um, but so he... So essentially the transfer from uh, flask to hand and hand to sandwich and sandwich to mouth was enough such that he had a hallucination and um, he was trying to do science and he was like, this is awful. It's very upsetting and bad. What could possibly have happened? And he figured out, he like traced it back to the LSD. He's like tripping balls and he goes into his boss's office and is like, boss, you have to eat this thing I made because it made me crazy. It made me go nutso. <laughs> <laughs> and so he and the boss together intentionally took LSD on April 19th, 1943. And that's bicycle day because he rode home on his bicycle. Um, and he described all the stuff he saw and it's like really trippy. Um, but yeah, so that's what bicycle day is. It's like the quote unquote, uh, initiation of Albert Hoffman into the world of LSD. Um, and I mean, like, there's a bunch of, like, people who since then have tried to, like, make other derivatives. Like, there's this couple, oh, I wish I could remember this guy's name. Um, his, like, whole life has been just, like, <laughs> making derivatives of this stuff, eating it, and recording what happens. Um, so sometimes he's like, oh yeah, I saw a guy and I was defo sure it was God. And he was like, what's up? And we had a big party. And sometimes he's like, yeah, I was falling into the depths of hell and I got burnt up and ed up by a big bad man. And I'm like, mm. why would you keep doing this? Like, who does That's this help? Fun. It's probably fun is the main thing. Um, I guess. This reminds me, uh, that recently... Um, I mean, there was for a long time an urban legend that a bunch of, like, 60s musicians put LSD on their synthesizers when they made music, um, and then someone was repairing a vintage synthesizer uh, that the Grateful Dead used to use and got incredibly high on LSD from touching it because it had LSD on it, mm -hmm. confirming that urban legend to be true. Wait, it really happened? Yes. What? Um, it was, uh, it seemed to be a, a synthesizer that lived on Ken Kesey's bus for a while, mm. um, and, uh, was used by the Grateful Dead's sound engineer. Um, wow, and so crazy. this, this vintage, uh, this vintage synthesizer repair guy got super high on LSD by accident because he was touching this synthesizer yeah. that had 50 year old LSD on it. Oh my God. That's crazy. It's really fun that it stays potent in open air for that long. I mean, it doesn't really have any active decomposition pathways. <sighs> like when you think about it, you're taking a thing that like, so ergot fungus produces a bunch of hallucinogenic chemicals, right? One of which is the acid corresponding to LSD, the precursor. And I mean, it has to make it and have it around. So that substance is air stable and stable to body conditions, right? And so yeah. like, it logically follows that a slightly more stable derivative would also be 
I can't really think of a good way that it would decompose. It's like saying if you left a bottle of aspirin out in open air, would it decompose? Of course it wouldn't. Um, over-the-counter medicines have, um, expiration dates, though. Yeah, but most of those are effective. Uh, They don't become less effective over time? Uh, it depends on the chemical structure. Mm. Like, like, I could probably look at the structure of a drug and tell you whether or not its expiration date is real. Because FDA warrants say that you have to list an expiration date, and it's based on a half-life. Like... Essentially, if you put the drug under the worst possible conditions and then measure what happens to it, how long does it take for it to reach half potency, right? So, like, yeah, of course, if you're forcing it, sure. But, like, most of the time, we're storing our medications in the dark, in a cabinet, in a house. And so, like, that's not the worst possible conditions. Yeah, basically, the worst things you can do for medication are uh, heat. Like, if you leave it in your car um, and it gets to, like, 100 Fahrenheit, yeah, that's not going to be good anymore. Or light, especially, because a lot of medications are light-sensitive. Uh, Albert Hoffman seems really cool. Not yeah. only did he invent LSD, but he isolated the uh, psychedelic chemicals in uh, in mushrooms, and he lived to be 102 years old. Yeah, he was having a great time. And he didn't die of old age. He died of a heart attack at 102. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he didn't just, like, die in his sleep or something. Like, he lived... A long time, and presumably was pretty healthy, um, and invented uh, two of people's favorite drugs. Yeah, he he's a pretty cool guy. The problem with chemistry is that so much of it was done by Germans that a lot of last names are extremely pervasive. So there's like four people who all have the last name Hoffman who are like very famous in chemistry. It can mm. get very hard to keep track of who did what. But, oh man, it's fun. Bicycle day is April 19th. And yeah, it's right before 420. Yeah, uh, the weed nice. number. You can have two drug holidays right in a row. That sounds like it's not the best idea. Well, I mean, neither of them has a hangover effect as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you ask and I mean, yeah, your true. body chemistry also. I don't use any of these drugs, so I don't know about them. Yeah, um, I'm terrified of the idea of doing hallucinogens. Like, Oh, uh, that's much more interesting to me than weed. Um, yeah. Because they say if you eat enough mushrooms, you won't be depressed anymore. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. I'll try that. <laughs> I mean, I I live in a state where weed is legal, so it's fine for me to say that I've done it. Um, most you've done you've done weed. <laughs> I've done the pots. You're um, such a nerd. Yeah, I took the weed plant, um, and like I feel almost like it's like alcohol 2.0 because it has, for me anyway, a lot of the same effects without the hangover. Mm-hmm. And it just generally feels better. But the thing with hallucinogens is that people tell you, like, it can permanently alter your brain chemistry. And that's been proven to be true in laboratories where people know for sure that it really happened. Yeah. Um, like, you know, people say, like, MDMA puts holes in your brain. And that's definitely an exaggeration. But it does, like, permanently affect your brain's ability to secrete neurotransmitters. So I don't love the idea of that. Yeah, I don't think that I would try uh, Molly, but um, uh, psychedelic mushrooms have uh, a remarkable effect to reduce the symptoms of PTSD, which is... um, Seems like it would be good for, you know, the generally depressed and anxious as well, maybe? Yeah, it's hard... 
to know, I mean, the problem with brain drugs is that everyone brain do it, do it different. Um, yeah, that's you, true. Do you know about the like ketamine derived antidepressant that was just approved? No, but that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna, so- gonna start doing some club antidepressants. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go to my psychiatrist and get all up on those club drugs. Like, yo, Doc, I like to party. Wink, wink. (laughs) But I'm also very sad. Wink, (laughs) wink, wink. (laughs) Sad wink. Um, I'm winking the tears out of my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, so I actually talked to my psychiatrist about this because he's a cool guy. Um, but he's not a freaking narc. <laughs> he's not a narc. Uh, he's not a cop. But basically, it's like they took ketamine and made some chemical er- alterations to it and then changed the formulation. So now it's a nasal spray. Um, huh. And if you take it, you only have to take it once a week. But you have to take it in your psychiatrist's office because sometimes you trip balls. <laughs> um, and like they literally apply it to you. And then you have to sit there for two hours and you can like bring stuff to do. You can like bring a book or your laptop or whatever, but like you can't leave because sometimes people like rip all their clothes off and run through the streets. But apparently it's like remarkable what kind of effects it has on people. Like people are still really hesitant to use it because, you know, oh, ketamine, oh, drugs, people hate them. Um, But like my psychiatrist was all about it. He was like, you know, Basically, all antidepressants we currently have work exactly the same way, and we don't really totally know how it works, but we have a good idea. This new one, it works different, and we don't know how it's different, but it's definitely different, so I'm all for it. Um, my understanding is the way antidepressants work is they fill in the little holes that your brain uses to reabsorb serotonin and take it out of your bloodstream. Is oh, that- good job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an accurate layman's way to say it. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, okay. so SSRI, right? It's yeah. like serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and reuptake is the process of like taking serotonin out of the neurochemical system and recycling it. So, yeah. I mean, okay, that's, cool. That's, I did it. Yeah. Good job, uh, Jeff. You know how I, brains do it. I think that it's interesting that they've started using ketamine as an antidepressant because they already use, like, other party drugs at, in medical ways, like methamphetamine as uh, as an anti, uh, what is it, it's, it's a severe ADHD medication. I mean, um, all, just... all amphetamines, like, basically all ADHD medications you can get are amphetamines, let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, methamphetamine's right. just one of them. Yeah. It's, uh, that's very fun. Um, and then, uh, they still, for people, I think it's for people who don't do well with, what's the one that makes you numb for, uh, Novocaine? They'll use, uh, actual cocaine. Um, mm-hmm. that still has, that's a Schedule 2 drug. It is not Schedule 1, which means no, uh, practical medical use. That's interesting. I actually yeah, it's, didn't it's know a, that. It's a localized anesthetic, I think usually used in dental procedures, if you uh, are allergic or resistant to Novocaine. Did you see that they put um, the business development guy from one of the companies that forced everybody to take opioids in jail? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's great. It's the what best did he thing do? I've did ever he steal heard. From, did he steal from a rich person or something? No, he forced doctors to sell their drugs to people. Basically, here's what happened with oh, opioids. Hold on. Were the people who got hurt rich, though? No. 
I don't understand why you got punished then. Yeah, I know. It's hard to <laughs> That's very comprehend. Weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's hard to think about the fact that sometimes um, the people who... You get who, punished for killing poor people? Yeah, you wow. get punished for killing poor and or regular people even. Um, poor people are pretty regular these days. That's true. Burn. Got them. Um, but like, yeah, take that, the economy. Yeah, take that government. We hate it. Um, they can come after me. I don't care. I hate them. The government's bad. Um but yeah, so this guy, like, basically, they're going after the family that was in charge of the company who made, um, like, some of the famous opioids originally and produced them because literally they had sales associates go to doctors and say, we will give you more money if you give people these drugs who don't need them. Mm. And, like, there's a record of that. It's in emails. This really happened as just, like, a revenue source. And even after evidence came in that it was, like, mad crazy addictive and it was raising the rates of heroin addiction for that reason they were like nah we gotta give it to everybody because it's making us a ton of money so the guy who was in charge of that operation went to jail that's very good i know i was so excited it was great oh, I, I just read about uh one of the executives of jewel um went into a ninth grade classroom and told everyone that jewels were safe um <gasps> and those ninth graders now just like testified in court that he did that oh my god wait because it is it is illegal to um sell tobacco to minors uh in most states you have to be over 19 or even 21 to purchase tobacco products but for some reason jewel has been just like yeah kids vaping is awesome do it oh god what hold on <laughs> i need you to take it back i'm i'm not hip with the kids like you are jewel you know is a nicotine vape uh are there non-nicotine thing. vapes there are non-nicotine vapes where you're just vaping like flavored liquid. Um, are, you, are, you, and are you kidding? <laughs> no. Um, there's also vapes where you are vaping uh, weed, perhaps other drugs. I know weed for sure is the big one. You can vape um, weed. Yeah, you didn't know that. No. You live in the weed land. That's like the ideal way that most people do it now, because you can really control how much you're getting. Yeah, that seems to make sense. But I mean, like. Here, you can do the weeds however you want. Like, as long as you have a valid ID, you can just go into the weed store and say, here's what my life is like. I want some weeds. And they'll say, okay, here's how you should do it. And then you can leave the weed store with your weeds. So they have it in, like, a pill that doesn't taste or smell like weed. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, what no, I need. We haven't uh, cracked it yet. But that's mostly uh, because the mm, the main chemical that causes you to get high out of the Smells weeds. like duty. What? <laughs> it smells like doo-doo. <laughs> That's what that yeah. chemical smells um, like. But I was going to say that it doesn't survive the digestive process well, mostly. Um, and that's why you can't just, like, eat weeds. <laughs> like, you have yeah. to do special stuff to them. <sighs> Annoying. Yeah. Um, I think that... This we is should talk about nine very other nine horse nine nine. but we should call talk about uh, mother horse size. I think. <laughs> uh, so the <laughs> the CIA is doing these experiments to try and get people to interact with um, flesh portals. Yes. 
uh, sorry, flesh interfaces. They want to, they want you to interface with the flesh, like some kind of hellraiser. Yeah. Um, and one of the fun ones is in this investigator's narrative is about how Elizabeth Bathory. Oh um, yeah. That's really funny. Her behavior is, was indicative of someone trying to build a flesh interface. Um, but LSD didn't exist yet, so how could that possibly have been? And the investigator concludes that it was probably a coincidence. But, like, um, also, let's think about the implications of this. Because they talk a lot about building flesh interfaces, quote, 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 unquote, unquote. Yeah. But, like, they don't, as far as I remember and read, they don't actually explain what that means. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for, f- or sorry, the uh, interface Wikia article for flesh interface, and it's blank. Yeah, but like Elizabeth Bathory, does everybody know who she is now? Uh, she is the she's a Hungarian noble who is the no, uh, I know who she is. I'm telling the audience, history's most <laughs> notorious female serial killer. Well, I mean. Most prolific, I sure. believe. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe not most notorious because we do have Eileen Warnock. Yeah, my girl. She got she got a whole ass movie about her. She is so cool. Oh man, uh, I don't. Is she cool? Don't, Didn't she like beat up kids or something? No, no. I don't. I've never saw Monster. I didn't see Monster either, but I know a lot about Eileen Warnock. Um, I, I mean, like. She had a bad life, dog. Oh, it was I mean, bad. She's, she's a gay um, icon. Is all I know about her. What? What? What did you say? She's a gay icon is all I know about her. Yeah, she was gay and she like prostituted herself for a while to make money and then got so mad at having to be a prostitute that she started killing the Johns. So that's pretty cool. Oh hell yeah! That yeah, rules. awesome, right? She was really cool. Um, yeah, t- taking it, taking it back instead of the the person doing the sex work getting killed. Exactly. Person. Yeah, uh, she's turning it around. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, like you need customers. If we if we consider sex work valid, do we have to consider the customers not creeps? Because it feels like most of them are probably creeps, right? I think as it stands now... It feels now, really judgy. I don't like it. Because of the nature of sex work and the fact that it's illegal, I think basically everybody who seeks out real-life prostitutes is creeps. But I don't feel like that would necessarily be true if we, like, dealt with legalizing it and commercializing it in an appropriate way. That's true. I think that uh, maybe, weirdly, because uh, this seems counterintuitive, the people who seek out... Um, the people who seek out, like, fetish work are probably the least creepy, because it's just like, yeah, you're not going to get everyone who wants to, like, poop in your mouth. Like, yeah. you, could, you could just pay someone for that. You don't have to, like, put that in your Tinder profile. Right. That's fine. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, everybody's um, got their thing. If you take too much LSD, will you get ergotism? What is ergotism? Uh, it is ergot poisoning. Uh, it makes you get rashes and uh, big... Uh, like lumps all over you, gangrenous lumps. Well, I mean, so ergot is a fungus, right? And like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for this. For oh ergotism. my god! Yeah, it's pretty bad for you. Yikes! 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 Yeah, I knew about this. So the Salem witch trials, almost definitely a hundred percent, were like <laughs> related to the fact that. Uh, Ergit was growing on all their bread and stuff. 
So, mm-hmm. like, some people got, That's like, fun. actually sick, but some people hallucinated. And the fact that both of those things happened made it way worse. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I don't think that would happen if you were taking LSD, because LSD is not actually in ergot fungus. Um, the chemicals I that see. are actually in the ergot are a little bit different, but they are hallucinogenic. Um it's just a different physical chemical, and I get turning the, it into LSD makes it safe, probably or safer anyway. It makes it not cause this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, I'm continuing on the investigator series. Um, who tells us? Oh right, no, no, no. Talk about Elizabeth Bathory. Uh, no, that was it. It was all of it. Like, no, she, she like drank little girl's blood to stay young. She was awesome. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. No, that seems bad. Wait, uh, what? We okay. If <laughs> if we agree that we want to eat the rich, that includes Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, are you yeah, sure? sorry? <laughs> <laughs> if we eat Elizabeth Bathory, are we eating all the girls she ate? It reminds, yeah, yeah. You eat everyone that your uh, victims ate before you, so you have to keep in mind what you're eating. Are you up to date on my brother, my brother, and me? I didn't listen to this week's episode, but otherwise, yes. You remember the conversation about if you eat Joey Chestnut, have you eaten all the hot dogs he recently <laughs> consumed? Yes, this I feels very that's similar. True. Um, that's how it works. Um, so the, the investigator has an entry that starts with, obviously I can't define a flesh interface <laughs> in terms of, in terms of purpose or composition or mechanism. I can only list the various phenomena which are related to them, which I think is interesting. The idea that scientists are studying this thing, which they don't know what it is, but they do know what happens near it is, that's like black holes, right? Like, we only just got our first picture of one, but we knew that they existed because we know what happens near them. I mean, if you consider the idea that, like, we don't know what anesthesia really does, like, there are a ton of phenomena, scientific phenomena, where, like, we don't really know the underlying mechanism, and we don't really know what it's physically doing, but we know what happens when it's done. Going under anesthesia five years ago confirmed all of my beliefs about how consciousness is a lie and doesn't exist. Yeah, it's very, very horrible. And the fact that, like, you can be kind of awake, but under anesthesia, and it causes extreme uh, PTSD because you felt all the pain, but you couldn't do anything about it, is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, I, they put me under and I remember the countdown and then I remember three hours later briefly waking up, uh, and telling my joke to the doctor, which was, you should have killed me when you had the chance. (laughs) And then I went back to sleep for a while and I think the going back to sleep might have been a normal sleep or it might have been anesthesia again. But like, there's three hours there that I didn't exist anymore because they turned my brain off. Yeah, they did turn it off. Um, so yeah, uh, our mind is a lie. It is an accidental side effect of the brain. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, um, like... And I, I I, knew that before, but it was very confirmed to me by the fact that I stopped existing for three hours during yeah. surgery. I, like, I've only been put under once for to take my wisdom teeth out, 
and it was awesome. I mean, it was great not existing. It felt really good to stop existing. But here's the thing. It didn't feel like anything. No, the process of stopping felt good. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I had stopped and I didn't have to feel anymore. And then I woke up and I'll never know whether this is true or not. But it was Friday. And I remember the doctor singing that Rebecca Black song to me. Um, <laughs> and I will never, ever, ever know whether that really happened or not. <laughs> but one thing you do know for sure is that a different person woke up with all of your same memories. Yeah. I mean, um, sure. Like, that's kind of what happens in this story, theoretically, right? Like, they send the children through the flesh portals and the children come back and they're like kind of blank for a while. And then yeah, they, they refer have... to them as being altered, right? What? Altered is the word that they use for yeah. people who come back. That is, well, that's the word they use for people who come back and are affected by it, clearly. Right, yeah. Um, but it's like, they're kind of, like, what, the first one that goes through comes back and she's, like, inside of a flesh pod. Um, and, like, they cut it open and detach her from the placenta and she's, like, all smooth. Gross. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but... It kind of feels similar because then, like, she starts recalling things, but, like, only remembers some of the stuff about and from her life. Um, and, like, <laughs> if, if you were anesthetized and then transported into a different life and you didn't remember anything and, like, everybody around you just kept telling you that you were that person, you would become that person. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is the whole idea behind, like, the Star Trek transporter, or um, uploading your mind into a computer that, like, you just do all the things, and you hit on. Like, it's canon in Star Trek that you're killed by the transporter. Yeah. And they beam your particles to a different place, and then they reassemble you. Yeah. Which is why Dr. McCoy doesn't like using the transporter. I mean... Um, and by the time of Next Generation, the transporters work better and faster because they reassemble you from local particles. Yeah. Um, so the result of this is a transporter malfunction leads to there being two Lieutenant Rikers. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and so they're the same person, and then they make another one. But they, because of the malfunction, they don't kill the first one. Ugh. So they both just persist. Um, and then there's two of them. And that is, uh, that's why teleportation technology would be unethical if we ever did create it. Um, although the world that they're presenting in Star Trek is one where the individual does not matter and is their function in society that is most important. And I think that's a little beautiful in a way. Yeah, I do find that uh, but it also makes I, life more satisfying. Yeah, I don't want to be liquefied by a laser beam and then have a different person wake up with all my memories. Yeah, I um, don't really have any attachment to my body. But somebody, that might have somebody already happened it. to me. I might already be that other person. Who knows? Uh, I don't like it. Oh, yeah. and then this guy is like, oh, you know who else um, was murdered is Michael Jackson, and here's why. Yeah, that's a little weird one. Yeah, um, I don't... So I feel like... <laughs> Reading the story to me, both when it was emerging and also now, felt and feels like somebody is just observing the things around them and being like, huh, that's weird, and then working it into their story. Um, or being like, oh, what if this? And then. Yeah, there's definitely an aspect of this person started researching LSD and drugs and. 
like folded it all in. Yeah, they say like that they were a heavy drug user. I mean, we don't actually know who this person was, but the data we do have is that they like at the time of writing were a 30 something male living in a sober living home who did a ton of drugs. Yeah, the at least semi-fictional narrator is part of uh, the author's narrative. Yeah. Uh, the author is known as Nick in this narrative. And cops to uh, changing details, making things up, and changing the names of people even within their own little, like, meta-narrative. Sure. I mean, you kind of have to if you yeah. want it to be interesting, because life is not interesting. The way that they talk about recovery makes me think that this person isn't like, that this is actually a person who's been through it. He said that he had been through it. Uh, right, I know. I th- I mean the real author, not the fictional uh, author. I am talking about the real author. Yeah, no, the real author has a character named Nick. I know, but I'm of- ignoring that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, Nick the... <laughs> Nick, the semi-fictional author, yeah, went through uh, rehab. Yeah, I don't I care. Thi- <laughs> I, I think that the person writing all of this stuff probably also did. I know that they did, they because I read it. <laughs> you don't know that they did, though. <laughs> Jeffrey! <laughs> they could just be lying. But why would they lie? Because all of this is make-believe about space vaginas. I, <laughs> I know, but then, like... If the only details you're going to give about yourself are that in factual, actual reality, when you wrote this, you were male, you were in your 30s, and you had done drugs in the past, why why would you even bother to make that up? Right, but, like, if you look at those last couple chapters where Nick goes on a bender and is continuing to write posts, I think that was all made up, and I don't think that this person was writing it from a halfway house. I mean... I don't know whether they were or they weren't, but, like... Right, none of us know, but the I just wanted to point out that, like, we get plenty of creepypastas where the author character is wholly fictional. Yeah. This one, this one seems to have enough of the real author in it, because the way that they write about recovery specifically seems like it's there's someone who went through it, and not, like, a writer who wants to make their, uh, their online Reddit persona seem more interesting. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that is what makes this readable for me. Right. Um, I struggled going back through it. When it was actually like being released, I remember finding it interesting. I think mostly because of like following that meta narrative and trying to like Mr. Police you had all the clues it. Yeah, you um, could have saved them. Yeah, but like reading it again was a struggle. <laughs> reading it all at once, like all of it as one big chunk felt undoable. <laughs> I listened to it over the past two days <laughs> as a uh, as the audio form while playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. Um, and it was still pretty hard. I, like, was starting to fall asleep reading the last couple chapters last night, so I, like, put it down and finished it this morning. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, like, so... I, over the last couple of weeks, have had slightly less uh, totally vacant time in my life because I did get a dog, Um, and I do very much like having that dog, but it's surprisingly cut down on the amount of time that I have headphones in and I'm listening to stuff Mm. because I feel a sense of companionship with the dog, Um, like I talk to it and stuff, so it, it feels like not 
it doesn't feel as much like I'm alone with my thoughts and I have to constantly be listening to stuff. So I've had less time to listen to stuff. Yeah, it's, it's much, it was much better to listen to than to try and actually read all of it, but still very like, uh, come on. (laughs) More, Uh, except more. The, yeah, exactly. The person reading it um, did not know how to pronounce the word ascertain. Oh, God. Kept saying a certain. Yeah, right? Um, that was, I think the word only shows up two or three times in the whole six hour story. Um, but I like, if I had read this as a book, I would have been like, yeah, that's pretty good. Do you think uh, so? But be- yeah, a bit, but because of the context of it being posted on Reddit, it makes it feel really like so much more ah look how clever i am i have it all figured out michael jackson was murdered and the cia <laughs> found found these portals to a cool cyberpunk dimension where everybody's playing sword art online yeah i wanted all of that ripped out of the story i i could have done without all, that whole investigator narrative i wanted it out i wanted it gone it felt very um, pretentious to me i really want the uh, okay, Ben's narrative, I think, is the one that I like. Um, Ben's narrative is the one that is the future one. Yeah, there's ten posts. Um, we've got the characters Ben, Karen, Q, and Zhen, Zhen, Zhen. Um, so Ben's narrative ties into one of the, the, like, cyberpunk things. Yeah. And it takes place in Atlanta in a future where most people are plugged into virtual reality because of the proliferation of a, uh, surgical implant that allows you to live in a VR space that feels almost exactly like real life, but you can do whatever you want. Um, and so he's going to get someone out of a bed because for some reason she had to be like unplugged for some, for like something wrong, something bad happened and she has to be unplugged from it. Um, and his whole job is to readjust people. Um, and this person was 28 or something and she'd been in there since she was nine. Um, so she does not really, she's not someone who's going to remember the, the full real world. Um, the, um, the, like, narrative keeps going back and forth between the real, like, the actual story that's happening and just, like, random anecdotes. Um, he talks about sometimes people, when they come out, uh, the, like, because they're so addicted to constant uh, instant gratification stimulation, uh, they are, like, always doing drugs and jacking off at inappropriate times. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, not something that you see, I think, I think this aspect of virtual reality is not something that people touch on a lot in fiction, of, like, now these people are basically, like, addicts, but the thing they're addicted to is consequence-free overstimulation. Yeah. And in, in the real world, stimulating in any way, any stimulation, even as simple as reading a book or talking to another person, has consequences, even if those consequences are as minor as you might make a mistake talking to that person, or you might make the person like you more, or you have to have a couple hours to read that book. Um, 
But in virtual space, they don't have this because they're just laying in a big uh, bedpan, pissing themselves forever while they go off and uh, live in 80s movies or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, have you seen the latest season of Black Mirror? No, I, the only thing I've seen since it became a Netflix original was the Star Trek episode. Yeah, the... I liked that one. Sorry? I liked that one. Yeah, it was good. Um, that whole season felt very lackluster to me, though, the fourth season. It's how a lot of people said. They were like, yeah, it's, the Star Trek one's good and the rest of it kind of sucks. Yeah, so I don't really feel any need for you to watch any more of it. But the first episode of the most recent season, the fifth one, um, the concept of it, are you going to watch it? Uh, I will watch it, so don't spoil it for me. Okay, but. I, I won't spoil it. Um, but, like... Essentially, there's this, like, regular guy who is living a regular life, and we observe a little bit of it, and then his, like, friend from college comes to town, and he, like, gives him a, like, VR headset type thing for his birthday, and he's like, oh, let's play what is essentially Mortal Kombat together. Um, and so they go into this Mortal Kombat world, and, um... The friend is playing a female character, and they, like, fuck in this VR world. And so then the rest of the episode is about, like, the consequences of that mm. interaction between... <laughs> it's two men, right? Right. But, like, it's very interesting, the psychological conclusions that the people writing the episode reach about what an experience like that would be like. Yeah, and uh, this this story, not the Ben narrative, but we do get a little, a little bit from, I think it's from Karen's point of view, um, about the other side of it, um, where she's in an experience where she is, uh, who is it? Cindy Crawford or yeah. somebody. Um, and she remarks a couple times that she does not know whether the like other lead character in the scenario is being uh, played by a person or not. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but because she's been in the bed for all of her life, like her whole adolescence and her whole adult life, I just found that she's 33 getting pulled out of the bed that mm -hmm. she's been in since age nine. Oof. Um, that isn't a big deal to her. Um, which is part of, I think, the horror of that, ask that part of the story. Definitely. Um, they, one thing that's fun is they talk about, uh, the bed, uh, the, like, hair growth inhibitor not working, so they have to pull her out of 24 years of hair growth that has <laughs> yeah. just continued growing around her. Um, hair cocoon? Another, yeah, exactly. Another way you know that it's the future is her race is defined as mixed American. Um, <laughs> yeah. That uh, it's just like they can't get more granular than that anymore because it's the future. Um it's, you know, it's that type of, like, white sci-fi nerd way of doing inclusivity that's a little gross, but I, I thought it was, like, I, I'm more interested in someone trying to touch on uh, issues that sci-fi usually avoids than I am in them uh, nailing it on the first go. Yeah. Um, like, the fact that Blade Runner 2049 was so very white was like, come on, we're not going to have white people in <laughs> right, the year 2049. Really no way. Come on. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a recessive gene. Um, yeah, and the thing about recessive genes that's interesting is like, 
repeating them and attempting to preserve them is a through thread of essentially all of human existence. And it basically has led to some of the uh, largest consequences of human existence of the old world. Like, for example... Mm. Nobility, white supremacy. <laughs> right. But, I mean, ex- excluding, like, white supremacy. I don't care about that. That's just idiots. I'm talking about, like... Uh, it's not just idiots. It's also world leaders. I mean, they're still idiots, but right. they're, like, very important idiots. But here's the thing. The, like, two scenarios that come to mind for me specifically is, like, so, hemophilia, right, is a yeah. recessive trait carried by the mother on an X chromosome. And so it's obscured because if you have one X chromosome that's fine and functional, the other one can be messed up and you don't know, right? But if that messed up one is passed on from the mother, the father, if it's a boy, always provides the Y chromosome. So, like, that's it. You're done. Um, And, like, that was (laughs) what led to the downfall of the last of the Russian czars because his son had hemophilia, right? Like... Tumble, 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 tumble. Suddenly, we don't have any more czars because we killed them. Yeah. Um, or like during, you know, Ivan the Terrible, right? I've heard the name. So he was a Russian ruler from, I think, the 1500s, I want to say. It might have been earlier. Um, but he had two sons, one of whom was normal and one of whom was mentally abnormal as a result of inbreeding. And this guy, like, Ivan the Terrible had some serious mental issues, and one time after his older son, the regular one who was supposed to take the throne, uh, got married, his wife who was pregnant, the father, Ivan the Terrible, was like, you look like a slut in those clothes. And then uh, the Ivan the Terrible got in a fight with his son, and they used fire pokers to beat each other to death. Um, <laughs> and then the uh, mentally challenged son became the ruler of Russia as a result. So, yeah, that didn't go particularly well for them. But that's another yeah. one that comes to mind as a very interesting example of like, mm, this feels like it could have been avoided. I always think about lactose persistence, um, the ability to continue to drink milk into adulthood. Uh, that is something that did not develop in humans until they moved into Europe. Interesting. Um, we did not have that for like a hundred, a hundred thousand years of human existence. <laughs> um, but we needed more vitamin D than we could get being at such a high, uh, latitude. Um, so we needed to get that from somewhere because we weren't getting it from the sun. So we got it from milk. Huh. And the ability to drink milk is something that was a mutation that got passed down because those are the people who survived better in Europe. That's interesting. Which is why white people can drink milk more frequently than people from other races. Mm, I never really put um, two and two together on that. I mean, if you look at cuisine from East Asia, South Asia, Africa. Yeah, there's no milk. It's there's like cheese sometimes, but cheese has very little to no lactose because of how it's processed. Right. Um very very rarely is there milk or cream. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I um, never really thought about that. Yep. Yeah. Um, life's weird. It's something I think about a lot. Pokémon are tall. Uh, Anyway, another thing that's interesting is when he's pulling Karen out, he's like, uh, she probably won't be able to see because she's only ever seen a micrometer in front of her face because she's been wearing a VR helmet all of her life. Um, 
and she immediately starts talking and knows everyone's names, which uh, he's very disturbed by. And she says to him urgently as the like other technicians are distracted, hey, one of your technicians just put a like capsule of poison under my arm. You have to get it out. <gasps> uh, and he's like, that's insane. Um, obviously, that's just part of like whatever scenario you were doing when you got unplugged, so I'm going to ignore that. Um, but then he like keeps thinking about all the weird coincidences. He sees a little bit of blood uh, on her sheet, like under her sheet as they're on the gurney. And he, with his Marine training is like, I was always told that you need to like trust your adrenaline and my adrenaline started pumping. Uh, and then he gets himself into a Captain America elevator fight with uh, crossbones. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's some guy. What's his name? Um, I don't remember his name. It's not um, relevant. Ilion, uh, yeah. maybe. Uh, that sounds fine. Yeah, Ilion had left early uh, to call the elevator because for some reason, I guess not for some reason, probably because it's cheap, um, this building of like very small cube apartments for VR addicts uh, has cable elevators that take so long <laughs> to get up. Um, they're on a like very high floor. And then, uh, Ilion twitches, he, like, reaches for his gun, and our, our hero, Ben, fights him and defeats him and blows his head away with a gun, uh, right. like a cool action guy. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the, the capsule out of Karen and discovers everything she's saying is true and is like, you need to get us out of here right away. And then they get out of there and he sees on the news that, um, Atlanta has been blown away by a nuclear blast. Um, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, um, and then we learn that, like, the reason that she, he, well, she can't talk this much. He, like, wirelessly plugs into her feed, mm-hmm. uh, so that they can just communicate online. Um, and, like, she's basically, uh, psychically sending him text messages. <laughs> I love it. It's very, very fun. I like that so much. Um, this, the, the, uh, we get a little sense of the year, which is they get a, a van, like a car, and it is a 2039 Hao, Hao Hua luxury chariot, um, uh, which implies that it is, you know, in the year 2039, China is making cars that are exported globally, um, which I'm surprised that they don't already have that. They started making phones that got put all over the world, like, maybe less than a decade ago, right? Yeah, but then we got mad at them. No, Huawei is still one of the biggest brands. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, if you look on Amazon, some of the, like, the the Amazon phones usually alternate between being blue and Huawei, um, and the other one is always, a, like, Motorola something, hmm. or Nokia. I think Nokia is the... Amazon like, might, like, own Nokia as a brand now. Hmm. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> Don't like Google that. Google owns Motorola, which is weird. Sorry? Um, Google owns Motorola? <gasps> yeah. Google could manufacture razors? No. How could they turn uh, that technology against <laughs> us? Um, we were so cool. Maybe they sold Motorola back into independence, but I know they had bought Motorola a few years ago. Weird. 
anyway, they, um, they escape and they are like implying something about being able to like send messages back in time. Um, and the end of the Karen and Ben story is where the audio version ends and then the rest of the audio version is all about Nick and child Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read the rest of it after that? The Nick and child Nick thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I read it. I, I mean, like I said, I, wanted, I read this as it was coming out, so I knew oh, how true. many parts of okay. it there were. Cool. Um, um, but I just I texted that to you this morning because I was like panicking last night. <laughs> I realized that the audio version wasn't all of it. Yeah, that's okay. I I knew about it. Um, I was going to tell you that, but my dog had to go to the vet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine because I did see when before I downloaded the audio version that two of the parts didn't have links to them. They were unrecorded, mm-hmm. but uh, actually it was 18 parts were not recorded. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so I didn't know to look anyway. But there seems to be some implication that Ben writes down all of this story and then that's sent through a flesh portal back in time. Um, there also seems to be some implication that the flesh portals are what enable people to... Um, engage with this uh <laughs> what's it called this vr space mm-hmm. and i don't really understand how that works but there is another piece of the story where they talk about being able to control the negative effects of a flesh portal by plugging um internet cables into it yeah but i like don't understand what the non-negative effects of that are I don't know either. Um, <laughs> I guess they eventually learn to, um, they learn how to manipulate it to create cool VR. Sure. Um, cause there's also something about how there is a gene that they only just discovered when they were inventing VR that allows people to engage with fourth, fifth, and sixth, and beyond dimensional VR space. (sighs) (coughs) Yeah, makes me tired to think about, too. Um, (laughs) But, like, Ben asks Karen, like, so can you see the future? And she's like, no, it's only for VR. Um, Which is interesting, the idea that we could simulate um, higher dimensional space, but that not all humans would be able to perceive that simulation mm-hmm. is something that's interesting to me that like there the the idea i mean then later it's like implied or revealed that mother horse eyes slash q like went back in time and manipulated the human genetic code to make sure that some of them would be able to perceive higher dimensions in vr hundreds of thousands of years in the future seems a little crazy yeah. to me but yeah i don't know uh, about that i just ignore but that I, yeah, I do like the idea that there are genetic um components to uh humans that we're not aware of because we just don't have the uh technology to ever correctly interface with that gene. Yeah, I I remember I don't know if you ever saw this there was like a YouTube video that came out years and years ago where it was like some high school kid explaining what visualization of higher dimensions would look like. Um, mm. And it was really interesting because it's like trying to get your brain to understand, like, you know, because we live in a three-dimensional world, we observe two-dimensional objects. Now imagine another dimension, right? That kind of thing. And like yeah. trying to explain what things would look like if we could 
perceive tesseracts and like if we utilize tesseracts as the basic unit of observation. Um, and this kind of reminded me of that because like I, in my line of work, there's a lot of discussion about like ability to visualize in 3D space. Like, can you turn objects around in your mind? Um, and one of the famous examples of this is like, imagine in your head a cube, take one of the faces and make it red. And now turn that red face around 360, right? Can you do that? Okay, great. Now do it with a corner, that kind of thing. Um, and it's always been interesting for me to like realize that there are people who can't do that because I've always been able to. Yeah. Um, so I like, it's, it's hard for me to think about being unable to. And I imagine that this is kind of like that, right? It's like, I mean, those dimensions just exist for these people. Like, obviously, of course they do. Only in VR, though, which is interesting. Yeah, I agree. I don't really... Um, I didn't... Re- it's like the... Go ahead. It's like the opposite of a vestigial trait. Yeah. Like, a vestigial trait is one that we don't need anymore, but I'm sure that there are traits that we have that we don't need yet. Dun-dun-dun! No. <laughs> um, that, that's called uh, aphantasia, the inability to visualize images. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it's a it's a suggested name for this condition huh. um, because it, it's not it's not really studied because it's hard to study. Yeah, because it's in your it's brain. Hard, it, it's all self reported too. Yeah, um, anything self reported is very hard to study. Um, I mean, it doesn't really exist except in your brain. So yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, it, it's. It's an interesting place to explore in sci-fi as well, which they don't touch directly on it, but the idea that some humans, and we wouldn't be able to know until we tested them for it with by plugging them into fourth-dimensional VR, uh, would be able to perceive that, and others just can't. Yeah. And that it's genetic. Um, there's also a couple posts, four posts actually, that are from the point of view of a cat, um, there are a couple from the point of view of a dog. But it's in um, a dream. <sighs> there, there's, uh, the cat one seems to cut back and forth between the cat and the cat's owner in a way that's really fun. Um, it also keeps talking about portals, but the portals in this case are just doors to the house and the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really... Weird. I don't know if the... Oh, excuse me. I don't know if the writer is just trying to draw... Oh, excuse me again. Oh. I, have the hi- I have the hiccups. Uh, I don't know if the writer is trying to draw a... Nope. Can't, can't get rid of them. Oh, no. He's gone. I think the writer might be trying to draw a parallel between the flesh interfaces and everyday doors uh, with this story, but it's hard to tell. What do um, you mean by that? Uh... So I think that what's going on here is the author is trying to say that the way cats perceive the doors of a house, it, like, they're not really able to conceptualize it. It seems, like, really scary and strange to them because they're cats and they're not as smart as humans. And that this is similar to how humans uh, perceive flesh interfaces because they are similarly stupid compared to the amount of brain power you need to understand what the flesh interface is, what that portal is and what it does and how it functions. But cats don't die when they go through doors? Right, that's true. Um, 
But <laughs> like sometimes I, I think they if do. a cat watched another cat walk through a door and it instantly died, that would be a much different phenomenon than a cat walking through a door and everything's good. Right, but sometimes uh, cats will see someone go through a door and then never come back. Um, but the people always come back. Not always. In the story, yes. In this story, the people always come back. Yeah, but that's what in I mean. the in the life of an animal, sometimes someone goes out through the door and they're gone, or sometimes they close the door and you don't want to be in that room, and the stress makes you pee all over the bed. Yeah, I'm talking about someone right here, three feet away from me, sleeping peacefully. <laughs> um, it's. I think that is why this story is in there. I think that's the parallel the author is trying to draw because he keeps having the cat refer to portals or uh, the author is just trying to confuse us. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I didn't really draw that parallel as I was reading it, but like, I think maybe this is one of those cases where you've outsmarted the author and um, yeah, implanted but, uh, your smart stuff on top of his regular stuff. There's also the way the um, cat keeps referring to humans as the oily ones. Yeah. Seems like a, a sort of um, overtly uh, comedically played way that people in cosmic horror stories refer to their um, incomprehensible nemeses, our, our deep ones and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um so, I, I don't know. It's like a little bit of cosmic horror, but actually it's mundane, and I think that's the comedy of it. Whereas, I think that the human, like, the parallel to the humans in the cat story would be Hugh and Mother Horse Eyes in all of the human stories. That they're these extra-dimensional creatures, and their doors are uh, incomprehensibly huge and monstrous to us. I guess, but like mm, you don't the, buy it, you don't like it. Um, I think the, uh, I mean, maybe this is like a person who's not owned animals or not owned animals that they liked or <laughs> cared about at all. But yeah, maybe. I mean, I tend to view humans as like the caretakers of the animals that belong to them. Like they try to provide them with things and do good for them, and only make them afraid of things that are bad for them. And, like, like for example, I don't want my dog to chew on um, cords that plug into walls because he'll die. So I then spray bitter stuff on the cords, and he tries to eat them, and he doesn't like it anymore. Um, but, like, I wouldn't do that with, say, his own food that belongs to him, that I need him to eat for sustenance or he'll die. Right. And this story sort of, like, places the places Q and Mother Horse Eyes in the opposite role, right? Like, they are trying to use people as, like, mm, with, yeah. with disregard for whether or not the people enjoy it or are healthy or happy or okay. Yeah, and I think that the way the cat story is written is also just, like, someone who doesn't personally know a cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I felt the same about the dog story. Yeah, cats are cats are not that cold. They just have that um they have that sort of reputation because of uh I mean I guess I don't really know why. Um they have that reputation, I guess, primarily because of people who don't own cats interacting with them and cats are much more careful about uh 
who they're nice to. Yeah, that's but, like, true. It's this this lady. This is this lady's cat. It likes her. It snuggles up with her. But part of the comedy of the story is actually it has this other motive where it's trying to solve the mystery of these weird portals and these weird oily ones and what they're all up to. Cat mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. I just like <laughs> I have I've opened the the son's narrative part of the story and it opens with. One time, my mom took me to a clothes store, and yeah. for some reason, I find that upsetting. <laughs> like, yeah, not a clothing store. What? Not a clothing store, but a clothes store. Yeah, I just don't like it. It feels kind of unsettling. <laughs> it feels more unsettling to me than most of the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, it's this, the sun in this, I believe, is the, um, the... The author, yes. the same person. The son is Nick. Yes. Um, but this is his like past, and for some reason, uh, one day, well, there's there, this in this clothes store part is interesting yeah. because he follows his mother who is wearing a blue dress, and then he looks up and he's accidentally started following some other lady in a blue dress, and so he runs around crying, and then finds his mom, and this uh, is a nice little. Um, Summary of the rest of the story where his parents disappear and are replaced by Mother Horse Eyes, um, who is a sort of pile of body parts and bird heads and horse eyes, um, uh, covered in like awful gray hair and leaves. Um, and she teaches him how to do magic, like how to turn rocks into bread and cookies. Uh, and by teaches him, I mean, she tells him that he can do it and then he can. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult to know whether or not. That is relay of information or just like understanding. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to know. Um, he then tries, he's like, Oh, I'll use my power to make my parents come back. And they come back, but they sort of come back wrong. Um, their faces don't look quite right. They both get out of the same door of the car for some reason, which also looks weird. And then they both collapse into piles of meat and cats. Like, <laughs> yeah, lot, I like, like that part. Like, living kittens and the kittens all go running off. Yeah. Um, which is fun. And then Mother Horse Eyes is like, come on, dumbass, you're not that good at magic. Um, and then he's like, okay, so I can't just make my parents come back, but what I can change is myself. And I think, okay, so he's going to teleport to his parents. Um, but that isn't what he does, even though Nick in the future talks about how he only spent one summer with Mother Horse Eyes and then his parents came back. Uh-huh. Right? That's the, like, uh, so we know that the parents come back at some point, except I guess not, because, um, it seems like young Nick has used his magic to open a portal for older Nick to come back in time and save him. Right. But it's like, how did then older Nick get back to the regular world, I think is the missing part of I that. Guess he, I guess he didn't. But he did. Yeah, he must have to write, uh, <laughs> to write that last post. And also huh? to come back, right? Like, if, if he's going to go back into the other world for his small self, he must have returned to our world at a point. Why? Because he can't go back to a world he's already in. Yeah, you can. What? Uh, yeah, it's like if he went back in time and died or whatever. It's just like that's what happens. That's his his personal narrative. Uh, as a child, he meets his older self, and then later he goes back in time and is that older self. I guess. 
his story is totally linear. It just doesn't make sense with the Reddit thing. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of this has the feel of someone posting these, like, secret uh, CIA or future, uh, like, logs and journals and, like, random ramblings. And then at the end, it becomes much more like a traditional narrative, a much more, like, novel-like ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like... Do you remember when we were watching Cam, we said... It has a premise, but no plot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I sort of feel like many parts of this story are the same. Like, Yeah, it definitely has a premise, but it does not have much of a plot. Exactly. Like, the author definitely had an idea of what he wanted to write, but he he only kind of wrote it, right? Like, yeah, and all the stuff, all the stuff that's good kind of goes nowhere, and all the stuff that's bad is uh, also goes nowhere, but is used to be like, let's wrap it up, right? Uh, I think the most interesting part is towards the end when the um, when the writer, when Nick, I'll just say Nick when I mean the fictional writer character okay. in the story, um, Nick is like, I'm really nervous about. Uh, being able to deliver a good ending for this story. Um, it almost feels like a cop-out that the author is using to have their, their, um, persona character be like, uh, yeah, I don't think I can come up with a good ending. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, now you're not free from having to come up with a good ending by saying that. <laughs> right, right. Like, you still have to. We you heard st- what you still said, have to, but. Like, give a shot. Yeah. <laughs> It's like in movies, and especially, I see this a lot in specifically Spider-Man comics. When you have the character say that their joke was bad, it doesn't make the joke less bad. Yeah, that's... You can't have Spider-Man make a bad pun and then have the bad guy be like, that was a bad pun, and have Spider-Man go, yep, I know. Like, no, Spider-Man didn't say it. You, Dan Slott, or whoever said it. Like, whoever's (laughs) writing... Like, this writer of the comic book said it. Yeah. Not... Not... (laughs) <laughs> not Spider-Man. I mean, I don't mean to call out Dan Slott specifically. I enjoyed it. I, mean, I enjoyed I his you. Spider. I enjoyed his Spider-Man run a lot. But he's like a slot? he's the he's the one who was writing. Yeah, I liked his Spider Dan run a slot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he's just the person who was writing Spider-Man for pretty much the entire time I was collecting comics. Hey, Spider-Dan and is a really good name for a superhero. Can we no, go it, back in time and rewrite Spider-Man as Spider-Dan? Dan Parker, <laughs> the amazing Spider-Dan? <laughs> yes! Oh, God. <laughs> it's really um, good. It's just like... It's it's really lazy to have that in in a story where the author is being like, well, I don't know if it'll be good if I write the story. Come on. Yeah, there's this um, there's this game show on Netflix called uh, Idiot Test, and the premise of the show is like um, people try to solve riddles that have answers that are theoretically obvious, but they're not actually. Like, mm-hmm. say, you know show me which arrow points down in this picture, and there are four up arrows that are obviously drawn, but the space between those up arrows creates a down arrow, and you're supposed to point that out. But it's like, you made it a trick. Like, the person's not stupid because they didn't 
figure out what trick you put into the thing, you put the trick in there. <laughs> like the host of the show is always like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't see the extremely obvious trick in the thing. And it's like, no, buddy, you think it's obvious because you put it in there. It's not a good trick. Yeah. Like, the, uh, <laughs> I don't understand what you're going for. It feels very similar to what you just described, the feeling I get when I watch it. Yeah, it's it's just like... Instead of doing the author insert part where Nick is like, the ending to this is going to be bad, you could have either just written the ending, and if it's bad, that is more acceptable than if you're saying it's bad and then giving it to us anyway. Yeah. Or you could have tried to make it better. Yeah, I don't... Because the the whole thing ends with... Well, the future narrative ends with them, like, sending a note... Like, implying that they're going to send a notebook back in time, and then writing down all of their story. And then the actual whole thing ends with Intercut, the son uh, narrative, and the author narrative. Young Nick and present Nick uh, meeting as Nick goes into this building that his recovering crack addict friend, Sean, told him about that had human bones in it. Um, and he goes in and, like, is exploring the tunnel, and then we see from young Nick's perspective, uh, someone coming down the street with a flashlight, and that's implied to have been older Nick. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, mm, the interesting thing about the magic in my, in my point of view is that, like, it can't create people. Like, it does that wrong, but it can create these, like, interfaces at the right time in the right spot to bring real people. Like, it, it has finite limitations on what it can and cannot do. It's kind of like how... Mm, what am I trying to it's, say? You, it, it, do you know it, what I mean? I, I don't... Oh, no! <laughs> I, I, I'm not understanding fully... Um, what the clues are that there's limitations to what uh, what anyone can do here. Because his parents turn back into meats and cat. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's a limit to what Nick can do. But, I mean, I he's thought- also kind of, like, the only real person, quote-unquote, in his, like, whole situation. Right. I thought you were implying that there was some limitation to what uh, Mother Horse nah, Eyes or Q, nah, or Q can nah, do. That's... No. And I mean, I also don't necessarily know that Mother Horse Eyes is real. Yeah, it could just be like a hallucination, I guess. I guess. I don't know, man. Listen, we can we can put whatever good ideas we have onto this author's stuff, but that doesn't make his ideas good. Okay, here's my theory. So, young Nick accidentally got dosed with LSD oh because his parents are um, some of these people involved in the CIA and or Nazi experiments. Um, and then he opens the portal that he lives near because you need to be on LSD to do that. And his older self walks through it from the other side. Mother horse sizes a hallucination of the LSD. But, but which, what's, which is real then? The, the flesh interface is real. We know this. And we know that you need to be on hallucinogenic drugs to interact with it. Okay. Um, we didn't really get any indication that they will push you through time, so that was a little weird. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I don't really totally understand what is about that, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't really understand what... You said earlier that you found this story to be internally consistent, and I don't really, because of that. Like, Yeah, I guess that's the, the only aspect of it. But, like, uh, yeah, when, once we get into the son and author narratives, it become it, like, starts to fray a little bit. Uh, the consistency I was impressed by was between all of the various time periods of, like, scientific researchers who were interacting with the portal. Um, but then the, like, time travel stuff I don't think was heavily seeded enough. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it specifically says that, like, the flesh portal from one place in our universe leads to a sister city in this alternative universe, which is also a place, but it's a different place. That mm -hmm. doesn't seem to imply a time change. It implies a physical spatial change. Yeah. So, I, I, I guess Mother, maybe Mother Horse Eyes took young Nick to this alternative city, and his older self is coming to get him out of it. That was what I thought was happening, but then why are they the only two people there? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really long, right? And it's like a lot of ideas. Like, some of them are bad. Some of them are fine. I don't really think any of them are good. Speaking of uh, people who are dosed with LSD, before I never get to be on this podcast again, can I tell you about how um, the Unabomber was created at Harvard because they made him a madman? Yes, tell me about okay. it. Okay, so you know how uh, most young women enjoy true crime now because the world is bad? Um, that's true. But anyway, the I was listening to this, like... A biographical story about the Unabomber and like, <sighs> so the Unabomber was like really smart, right? Ted Kaczynski was really smart. And when he was like 16, he went to Harvard, um, and like did a bunch of math because smart people do math. Um, but if you say so, I mean, <laughs> people who are said to be smart do math. Um, and like, Basically, he, he met this professor who, like, <laughs> secretly dosed him with LSD and, like, forced him to go crazy literally on purpose and wrote about it as science. And they uh. tried to cover it up because now he's the Unabomber, but that actually happened. <laughs> and it's like, hmm. you wonder why he doesn't like universities and why he thinks science is bad? Because um, they did it to him. They made him evil. <laughs> like, I think that there were some underlying psychological conditions at birth, but, like, I don't think he would have become a, a bomb man if that didn't happen to him. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Um, I mean, it's the same thing as, like, all the serial killers who got very badly bonked on the head as kids. Yeah. Um, Looking at you, John Wayne Gacy. And, um, uh, I think also Richard Ramirez. Yes. And maybe, uh, who's the Zac Efron one? Uh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. I was confused because the Unabomber is Ted Kaczynski, so I couldn't remember anyone else named Ted. <laughs> I um, I just tried to look up serial killers who got barked on the head, and that didn't do it. And there's the the other one, um, the H.H. H. Holmes, I think, was also a, a head injury mm, one. H.H. H. Holmes lied a lot. 
So it's hard to know. Ed Kemper, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Gein, Jerry Brudos are listed here. Maybe I was thinking of Ed Ed Gein, Ed Gein instead of H.H. Holmes. I was probably thinking of, they're all the same guy. That's fine. Ed Gein is crazy. That guy is wild. Oh, BTK also. Yeah, I hate him. Um, Have I said on this podcast the story of BTK and how he put a literal cereal box in somebody's uh, murder because he's a serial killer? No, that's awful. Yeah, he was the worst. He didn't take it seriously, which is the worst part. It's, yeah, you have to have some commitment to the craft. (laughs) Right. Um, So are we done talking about this story? (laughs) It's hard to say. Oh, were we actually on the podcast when we said um, that the author posted in his own subreddit a post called What Mother Is, which you sent me? Uh, Yeah, I think we started just after that. Yeah, Um, we should talk about that. So, yeah, the author, to briefly state, uh, he says in in not so many words um, that mother is, not in not so many words, I'm going to make a long story short and say (laughs) that he basically says mother is a symbol for the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Right. Which I immediately knew reading the posts a long time ago. Like, so, you know what Zarbomba is? Uh, yeah, it's a big bomb that Russia made. It's the biggest one that's ever been. It's, yeah. like, the physically largest uh, amount of power that's ever been in one place on the world. And that's referenced in, like, the second post of the story. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but you called yourself out. <laughs> like... You called yourself out with that one. He, yeah, I guess so. He literally is like, as I said before we started, talking about how like the only way to destroy flesh interfaces is by creating hydrogen bombs. And it's like, oh, I see. Oh, so this is like a don't fight fire with fire scenario. Thank you. Good lesson teaching, Mother Horse Eyes. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's... There's just not enough of anything comprehensible in this for me to care about this metaphor. Yeah. Do you remember the part where he... Um, let me see if I can find it. It's one of the later posts. and I mean, it's it's cool that he references this bomb. It's a, it's a, it's a killer bomb. I mean, I guess probably... Maybe not literally. We'll never know. But, like, it did make... It made a fireball that was five miles wide. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's um, true. It's very bad. Um... It was, like, multiple times more powerful than the largest nuclear device ever tested by the U.S. Like, it was real big. It was the most power that's ever been in one place ever in the world. Yeah. Seems bad. I mean, like, the point of it was to show us that it existed. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a secret. They immediately told us about it. Right, but uh, the the thing that's a secret is, like, maybe people were killed by it because it exploded a larger radius than they expected. I mean, yeah. It was a ton of power. Yeah. The one I'm talking about is the 87th post. Okay. It's Let's it's look. called Mara in the Womb. Right. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I this one is actually another one that I liked a lot. I liked um, it independently, but I don't understand exactly how... How it ties in. Yes. It seems to be some other world where there's... Um, Intelligent crabs. <laughs> so remember at the beginning, he talks about how 
chitinous cruciform organisms tend to accompany the development of flesh portals. So, yeah, this must be where they come from. Right. But where are they? Uh, some other world on the other side of the uh, flesh interface. Sure. On the other side and they of the talk portal. about eating people, right? Yeah. Like, and the main crab is like, I don't like eating people, but my girlfriend does. But, like, at the end, it says... So, I guess, like, they can communicate with each other telepathically, these crabs. Yeah, they seem to shoot pictures into each other's minds and also be able to change the color of their carapace. Yes, and that's how they communicate. So it says Mm -hmm. that he asked her where um, the people come from, and she doesn't want to show him, and then he asks again. She shows me a quick, vague picture, now I'm quoting, the old story about the womb and the egg, something priests tell little children. I know she's hiding something, so I snip at her. Why does she hide things from me? We used to be so close. After a moment, a picture forms on her carapace, as clear and vivid as anything she's ever shown me. I ask what I'm seeing. It is the womb. It is where they come from. Do you think that's a flesh interface? Yeah, I think so. Think, I think it's the other side, the other side of one. Do you think the creatures turn into the flesh interfaces and that's how they start? What do you mean? Like, so she says the, the, the author says that the creature creates on her carapace a picture of the flesh interface, right? Do right. you think that's how they start? By the creature creating a picture of it? Not a picture, but like, Maybe the creature didn't create a picture. It created the start of one. But in order to show him, it had to create one. No, that wasn't the idea that I got from it. I I just took it to be like, these people live on the other side. Um, I'm looking at post 16 titled Magical Space Pussy. Yes, Um, about Charles Manson. I apologize for this title. Um, it's bad. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems to be about someone who does a Forrest Gump, uh, situation in the 60s. Uh, he, like, runs into Charles Manson, he runs into some Nazis, uh, it's really dumb and weird. Yes. Um, but for me, what's key here is the idea that the flesh interface appears as a human vulva on the Earth side and as a womb on the crab side. Right. Um, so that's why I think the crab thing is just the other side of it. Um, and I don't think that the crabs create them. I think that they just live on the other side of them. Oh, I see. And that when we send humans in through them, they pop out the crab end. I see. So then why don't they come back? Uh, they don't always come back, right? I said, why why don't they? Yeah, I don't, because the crabs eat them. No, not always. Yeah, that's true. Some of the people do come back. Maybe not all of the ones who go in come out in crab land. Why don't the crabs ever come across? Maybe they don't want to. They have a whole religion about who's allowed to see this special place. Right. But you'd think that some of the religious crabs would cross over, or at least try to. They they know clearly that some of them did because of the chitinous cruciform creatures that they found in... um. What is it? The Antarctic Station? Yeah, I guess. So s- some of them must have at some point crossed over. Yeah. But then it's like, um, is it a CIA or FBI project? I think it's a CIA project for how to um, successfully keep future civilizations away from irradiated yeah, areas. Yeah, I told you about this. 
the last time, the last time I was on. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the crabs did with the uh, flesh interface. Yeah, that whole thing is like one of the most fascinating things I've ever thought about. Right, because it's like this concept that it's possible all mythology was created as a way to keep people away from stuff they shouldn't be near. It was. And it's kind of interesting to consider, like, the pet portion of this story put into that, like, framing when you really think about it, right? Because that is Mm -hmm. kind of what we do to the pets, right? Like, Right. It's what we do to people, though, too. Like, it's not that God doesn't want you to eat pork or shrimp. It's that those things are very bad for you when it's 5,000 years ago and you live in the desert and nobody has showers or toilets. Sure, but who was the first person who decided that they were going to do that? Like, was there a secret society of people who wrote the Bible as a bunch of secret rules, really? Impossible to know. I know, but I find that very interesting to consider. Like, because now it's like a whole big thing, right? They've got like an entire group of people who work on it and some of them are artists and they're trying to like draw illustrations but they don't want to make it intriguing to people so then they try simplifying the forms and blah 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 like putting that the concept of like this team of people who's tasked with protecting the future into the past is a very interesting concept in my mind yeah it's um it's an unenviable task because we know from video game design that there is absolutely no corner of a freely explorable area that you can make um, seem like you're not supposed to go there and have people actually not go there. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just like we do the same thing in real life as we do in video games, but much like in this story, uh, video games don't have that limitation. So obviously, if it seems like you can't get to the top of Peach's castle without that special jump that you get from, or the cannon from all the stars, like you're not gonna, you just won't go up there. Like, no, obviously people are gonna try to go up there specifically because it's forbidden. Right. So I, I, I don't know if they'll be able to create symbols that will keep people away, but the idea of crafting religious belief that keeps people away is very interesting because weaponizing religion is something that, uh, a lot of people have been doing for a long time. And the idea that we, we would be doing it for a good reason is, a little upsetting. Yeah, the ethical implications of doing it for a good reason upset me. I want religion mm. to all go away because yeah. it's bad and it's only ever done bad things so far, but yeah. it's possible that it could do good things and then the ethical <laughs> implications of it like come from what spins out of those good things, which is inevitably more bad stuff. Theoretically possible. <laughs> religion could so, be like, good. I struggle a lot with thinking about this. Like, so the nuclear waste idea is a very interesting one. Like, we had to put it somewhere because we created it. We've decided to put it all in one place. We know about the place. What now? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't have... How do we tell people later about the place? Right. And, like, this concept of, like... I know that they've passed this around on this team of people, like a group who knows about the thing, right? Like it's classified information, but the group will always know about it forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to tell everybody. Like that's definitely already happened, right? 
<laughs> like that's definitely I, going I, on right now. Well, it's I am someone who tends to believe less in government secret conspiracy stuff. Um, simply because the stupidest, cruelest person in the entire world has access to all those secrets, and he doesn't go on TV and talk about them, which means that those secrets probably just aren't that interesting. Yeah. Um, it's also entirely possible that because we've elected our first illiterate president, that he just hasn't read about the aliens or whatever, um, because he can't or won't read. Um, so, like... Can't or won't the, is interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it's... I mean, we already know that he won't yeah. read. Like, he can't... He doesn't read security briefings. They have to be broken down into sound bites for right. him. Um, and even then, he doesn't understand them because he's also, and I need to stress this again, powerfully stupid. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that is, seems to be the most damning evidence for Area 51 is empty to me. Yeah, I mean, like, so you know that this, this like, let's all storm Area 51 thing was created by the yeah, government Naruto to make us look away from the, the fact that Jeffrey Epstein is a pedophile? Uh, yeah, I've heard that theory, but honestly... Gen Z is just um, not funny, so I think that it's the specific type of unfunny teenager joke that is uh, too authentic to have been created by the government, I think. Do you? Yeah, I do, because I think it would have been unfunny in a different way if the government did it. Why? Like, what way? Like... I don't know, because, like, whenever Wendy's tweets YOLO or something, like that type of way where it seems inauthentic, when Burger King introduced depression meals, it was like, it didn't feel real. It felt wildly inauthentic. But remember that time that Burger King created a promotion where if you ordered a Whopper at McDonald's, you got it for a penny? <laughs> right. Yeah, if you had to be at a McDonald's and order through the app. Yeah, that was really funny. That, but that's too appy. That's not uh, Naruto run past the bullets. Plus the fact that they set it far enough in, in the future that it could um, viably gain some steam and then actually happen and cause the government a lot of trouble um, just makes me think that it's not... Uh, that. But it's pretty um, coincidental, huh? Like, we're trying to impeach the president and everybody's talking about Area 51, huh? Oh, uh, let's be very clear. Nobody's trying to impeach the president. Uh, Democratic leadership has already said that that's 100% off the table. Mm. Um, which is why everyone can firmly say, yes, the president did crimes. What are you going to do about it? E yes. Uh, but here's the thing. Because they answered, they answered before, we won't do anything about it, we promise. Like, I do think, <laughs> I do think that there are at least one, probably four people in the government who definitely, absolutely, 100% for sure, for sure, for sure, would impeach the president if it were under their power, but... Right, I think that there's a lot of people in the House of Representatives who are good, and maybe, like, three senators who maybe, are good. Maybe, um, maybe less than three. I'm not sure I know which ones they are, but, like... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, mm, Bernie Sanders, mm, and probably a senator none of us have ever heard mm, of. Um, actually, Kamala Harris was calling for impeachment, which is surprising. Um, but she is a cop, so that makes sense. Yeah. 
I don't know. Listen, I'll, I am certain that the police want me to die because I think that they're evil, but like, I don't know how to reconcile that with the fact that I feel I need them, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that the, I think that society would be better without police. Yeah, but we can't um, exist without them because they have been created. Right, that's not true, though, because countries have said we're not going to have police anymore, or, like, the police have gone on strike, and then nothing bad happens. What countries? Uh, let me look it up. I would love to have some evidence for this. It would make me feel better. Wouldn't it? Yes. Um, country stopped having cops. God, this heat fever Google. Um... No, that's not a right way to Google it. Country without cops. Country without cops. Uh, list of countries without armed forces? That's not really it, right? Yeah, that's um, not it. What country does not have police? Uh, does it count as not having police if the police aren't armed? No. Okay. So, um, let's see. Uh, does Switzerland have police? Maybe it's only been cities and not countries? I think this is this may be something that somebody told you to make you feel better. No, I, I read an article about <laughs> what? it. What? Uh, I read an article Did about it. Did that article <laughs> make you feel better? No, it was a real article. Um, what articles are so, even real anymore? They're all fake. Right? Yeah, they're um, created by the government to make us sad or happy. So there was a Georgia city that got rid of all of their cops. Um, yeah, but I bet they have them Mon- now. I bet the cops made uh, them get the cops back. They only had a a, a couple cops. Um, Montreal had no cops for a while in the sixties. Yeah, but they have FBI. The cops went on strike. Like the what? The Royal Canadian Mounted Police still hold authority over them, whether they have cops or not. That's not FBI. I mean, that's Canada's FBI. I see. <laughs> I don't mean the real FBI. I'm saying that like. Speaking of it in our terms, it's as if the cops went away, but the FBI can still murder people. Do the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have guns? Probably, yes. right? They seem like they would with those goofy yeah, outfits. Yeah, they're armed. Would be incomplete without a big rifle. Yeah. Um, so, Varnell, Georgia uh, eliminated their police department in 2017. But they, the FBI uh, can although- still take them away and kill them? It looks like uh, they f- now fall under the district, the jurisdiction of the county sheriff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was definitely looking at... Um, I was definitely reading an article somewhat recently about um, places that don't have police officers. Mm, I wish that were true, but I don't think and it is. it was fine. It is. It's totally true. I just don't have any evidence, and I don't remember where... <laughs> Okay. Thanks, President Trump, our good, good president. He would never admit to not having evidence. (laughs) That's true. I. He would just say, everybody agrees that this is true, and then that would be the end. (laughs) Remember when Justin McElroy made Griffin McElroy admit that he agreed with the president about horses? No, I don't. <laughs> really? Um, Ireland, uh, the cops don't even know how to use guns. What? 
In Ireland, the cops don't even know how to use guns. They don't have them. How do you know that? Around around 20 to 25 percent of Irish police are qualified to use firearms. Qualified by whom? Police? Like, uh, legally allowed to. Hmm. I think they probably still would. In other countries, you have to have a reason to have a firearm. Like, in Japan, you're not allowed to have a firearm unless you have a reason, and self-defense isn't a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hunting is, I believe, or collecting uh, antiques is as well. Mm. So Um, anybody can still have a gun? uh, No, because if your reason isn't good, they'll say no. But will they really? (laughs) Yeah. But then people can just give a better reason, Jeff. (laughs) People in Japan just don't have guns. I bet they do. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, some of them. Some of them, but not very many. Mm-hmm. Um, the law has been loosened somewhat, but in 1958, they passed a law that said uh, no one can have guns or swords. Or swords. Yeah. Um, but they pretty much have no gun deaths because their police are unarmed. Um, they ba- they basically get about 10 gun deaths a year. Hmm. Which is lower than the people who die uh, by guns accidentally in the United States. Uh, uh, yeah, the world is so ruined already. So, I think that uh, cops who can't murder people indiscriminately is, you know, virtually indistinguishable from no cops. I mean, at all. if they wanted to murder people, they still would be allowed to, and not get in trouble. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in the U.S., that's true. But in other countries, if the cops uh, hurt someone, they are investigated as if they are a private citizen who has hurt really? someone. Really? Has that uh, ever happened yeah, the, even once? In, uh, what was it? I believe it was Sweden uh, had a cop who killed someone, and the whole country, like, mourned for a week because that never happens. Oh, that's beautiful. And it was, like, fully, totally an accident, and but the cop, like, got arrested, and they did an investigation, and then they put that cop through, like, uh, psychiatric care to deal with the fact that they had killed a person. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's a good country. Yeah, seems like yeah. it. I want that one. Um, Can I be in that one? Yeah. I, oh, it was, here, this year, they charged three police officers uh, for fatally shooting Wow, someone. this was Switzerland? Uh, yes, uh, Sweden, Sweden, sorry. No, I didn't say Switzerland before, but I did agree just now you tried me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't listen well. Yo. Uh, two, two officers were charged with misconduct and one with causing another person's death. Wow. <laughs> which I guess is broadly manslaughter or murder. <laughs> it's hard to say. But if, uh, if Sweden uh, wants uh, another citizen, hit me up. <laughs> hit me yeah, up on my they mobile. Kill, they kill an average of one person oh per my God, year. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sweden, if you're looking, <laughs> I'll, I'll learn Swedish. I don't care. Let me. They've killed less people in the past 20 years than uh, cops did in 2018. Oh, Jeff, my heart. <laughs> you're killing me. And by, and by less, I mean like, one percent as many, like minuscule, less than one percent. It is uh, we've our police kill hundreds of times the amount of people that uh, cops in other countries do. Mm. Yeah, it's really a bummer. Yeah, that's very upsetting, and I hate it. We'll just push them all through a flashing. Yay! Um, are we are we done? I guess so. With this, it's not the longest episode ever. It has to be. This is the last time I ever get to be on the podcast, Jeff. 
I thought we were going to be done half an hour ago or more. Mm. So I'm impressed that we got this far. <laughs> Do you uh, want to talk I about more list, Pokemon nights? <laughs> uh, I found uh, I found a list of countries without armed forces. Okay. Is that uh, Andorra, Dominica, Grenada, Liechtenstein? Uh, I skipped Kiribati because I've never heard yeah. of it. Uh, is Dominica? Never heard no. of it. I've heard of the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Uh, were they were they part of each other at I one point? Who, who's to say? Uh, the Federated States of Micronesia. Just going to list countries. Vatican City. There we go. Uh, that's run by god cops that can still kill yeah. you if they want to. No standard army. No standing army, but limited military. There's another six countries. Mm. I'll still die if I go <sighs> okay. there because I'm from this bad country that wants me dead. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's all we have to say about Mother Horse Eyes. Wow. What's the spookiest part of Mother Horse Eyes? The spookiest part is that I'll never get to be on this podcast again. And the last story I talked about was this one. Uh, yeah, it was a big mistake, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, it was a lengthy, cost, costly mistake. Hindsight is 2020, I guess. <laughs> hindsight is 9999. <laughs> hindsight is 9999. Yeah. I, um,. I thought that the way that the part that was most effective horror to me was the detached clinical way in which a lot of the researcher narratives talked about both the portals and the violence. Yeah, I agree. Um, I liked that. That was fun to me. <laughs> it was fun to you because it's too real? Because that's the way our government uh, talks about violence? It, it just like it felt authentic yeah. um, in a way that's really sure. spooky. Um, that's it. That's all we have wow. to say. Uh, any final thoughts or we move on to plugs? Uh, no, we can move on to plugs, but I don't have any. I live in the past. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hannah walked through a portal into the past. She met her younger self, who's re- being raised by mother horse eyes. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Mastodon. The address is mastodon.cloud slash at JK. You find me on Twitter, and uh, no, not you can follow the show Twitter, I guess <laughs> at Creepypodsta. I'll probably still retweet uh, spooky memes over horror <laughs> movie stuff. Um, keep the podcast in your feed because there's going to be some stuff coming out after the 200th oh, episode, cool. like uh, Patreon stuff, yeah. or um, you know maybe I'll drop some treats in there every once in a while for holidays like Halloween or Friday the 13th. Will some of them be tricks um, like that time that you rickrolled me and I instantly knew it was a rickroll as soon as I saw him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have uh, no promises to make in either direction. Uh, on, <laughs> no one in, can know whether you topic. will or will not rickroll them. Hey, can we make Rickroll to know until you look at the rickroll. Uh, boy, I hate that. Uh, a millennial saying Rick or Roll in a political cartoon at Trick or Treat. I'm imagining, like, the Onion political cartoons that are intentionally yeah. obtuse. This, like, crying Statue of Liberty in every single yeah, one. that's good. Um, it's, uh, Jeff JK on Snapchat and Instagram. That's what I oh, meant yeah. to say. Oh, yeah. I guess I should tell them really because I'll never, I'll never see them again. Um, the fans of the show I'll never see. Um, but if they want to follow me on Snapchat, they can. Banana Boat B3. Okay. The Discord will remain open. The Facebook group will remain yeah. open. Don't at me in the um, Facebook group. Yeah, don't at anyone. They in the added Facebook me last group. time, so. 
This is a real warning. Oh. Do not at me. Add. Add. I thought you said at. I am saying at. Uh, A-T. Do not. With, do, okay. do not at me. I see. I thought you were saying add with two no. Ds, like somebody friended no. you. That's the fine. Honestly, um, if they want to friend me, I think Facebook is evil and I don't really use it very much. Yeah, her profile picture is from like seven yep. years ago. It's very yep. funny. Um, I, uh, don't be my friend on Facebook. That's fine. There's a knock on the door. I wait. The knock turns and the door opens. This is it. The beginning. I walk into the light. The end.